Bobby Hurley up the floor with Leitner. They throw it to the left of the floor. Leitner catches, comes down, dribbles, shoots, Welcome to another 2.1 Seconds to Madness, your college basketball podcast. I forgot what to say there for a second. <laughs> I am Russell Hainline. Uh, welcome. Uh, if you are listening to this, then presumably you used to listen to us or uh, you follow uh, one of us on Twitter, uh, in which case I'm very, very grateful you're here. Uh, as you may know, if you're listening to this, the last few times that uh, I have recorded, I've done either solo shows just to chat about college basketball, to put it out into the ether and to see if people have any thoughts of their own. Uh, I've also had a guest once or twice, but I am beyond ecstatic that today we got the OG back in the house from the Firestarter crew, K-Bad. Kenny, how's it going, sir? Can't complain, man. Um, I don't know about OG status, uh, but... <laughs> That's fine. I'll take it as a compliment. But, hey, we started this thing. We of the 2.1 seconds to madness game. We are the OGs. There is no question. And, That's true. Okay. And I, I can't tell you how many people who have podcasts now uh, who, who I chat to, who I chat with have said like that they heard our show, <laughs> you know, cause we did started this when like, there was like Gary Parrish had a podcast and like, that was mm-hmm. it. <laughs> then nobody, there were no other college basketball. I didn't know we were that early. Okay. Right. Yeah, we we got in because I think that's kind of why I wanted to do it because there weren't that many like I was just tired of like I, I listened to like a couple of the ones that were out. And it was just like people like mispronouncing names and shit and like just talking about like, I mean, this obviously came later, but like the big like ESPN stuff where it's like, what does LeVar Ball know what he's doing or whatever? Like, I was just never mm-hmm. like that interested in that, you know, right, <laughs> like right. I wanted to talk to somebody uh, and, you know, as historians of this show may remember from early on uh i always listened to the Firestarter podcast and kb would talk about georgetown he'd talk about like watching high school guys and i was like god damn he knows his stuff man so you know i uh, wanted a friend to talk to about it and it was something that resonated with people at least you know uh, i've gotten to go on a couple other shows over the last few years where people are like oh i listened to this back in the day so if you are one of those people and you're listening to this welcome back and again thank you uh kb i know you had work today so thanks for Thanks for making the time, man. No problem, bro. Yeah, so uh, if you're listening to this, you may be wondering, oh, like, is this going to be back? Is it back full time? Uh, we're going to do our best. <laughs> <laughs> we both we both have very rigorous work schedules right now, uh, so we're going to try and record when we can. I may put out some little one-offs. Uh, I may have a guest if there's, like, some big stuff to talk about and – me and KB can't work out the schedule, but like, I'm going to try and get, you know, me and Kenny on the show as much as we possibly reasonably can over the course of the season, at least every couple of weeks or so, just because this season is just shaping up to be such a doozy KB. Yeah. Um, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, not so much because of the team that I follow. Um, we'll get to that, but uh it's a lot wide open um, this season. I, I mean, I think that Gonzaga is, you know, obviously the best team in America. 
just like the the depth. Um, you know, when you yep. look at a lot of these teams on paper, um, it's a lot of a lot of teams. I think in years past that you know, I'm looking at them now, like their preseason thirteen or fourteen years past, I think they would have, you know, to me stood out as part like a top five type type of team just because of how much talent they have. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely yeah. looking forward to it, man. I think, but like even beyond, uh, I agree. Gonzaga is the clear number one, but m- like even beyond that, the sheer relative depth of talent this year. And I mean, this, this is a complete testament to name image likeness, right? Like there were many mm-hmm. people who came back. Like when we talk about, you know, the top 10 teams in a minute, you know, there are a lot of people who very clearly came back to school because they were going to have opportunities to earn that they would not have had in years past. And they would have just gone pro, whether even if that meant being a second round pick, if it meant being undrafted, being in the G League, Europe, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these kids, they understand their value very, very acutely these days. And we were seeing the number of people going pro ratcheting up every single season. And now we've got Johnny Juzang coming back, Hunter Dickinson coming back, EJ Liddell coming back. Uh, you know, like all these people coming back that, that could have just bounced. Um and I, I know at the time there were some college fans who were like, oh, this will ruin the game. or whatever. It is clearly a huge net positive for the game. <laughs> There's going to be so much more talent in Man, the sport. How fast schools have gone from like this is going to destroy college sports to come here. We do NIL better than everybody else. Like <laughs> right. the speed of that transition at like, dude, I, I, you know, but it's not surprising uh, right. you know, the, the programs that prepared for this moment are the ones that are benefiting from it. Uh, it was one thing, like, I remember when I finally realized, like, wow, this is really happening. And I started thinking about, you know, my Hoyas. And I'm like, man, there's a lot of really high-powered, you know, law firms in DC that I'm sure, sure. wouldn't mind throwing somebody, you know, you know, five figures to, you know, talk about they, you know, come down to so-and-so and so-and-so, you know, you're in an accident, come down, you know, doing yeah, right, those cheesy, right. you know, you know what I'm saying? Doing something totally. like that. And yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't really think it's, uh, it's that way, but uh, <laughs> some of the programs, it whether or not they want to admit it, it may eventually, yeah, yeah, it like, may but, I, but, but see, I think it's one of those things where you have to really just let go of what you've always thought college sports was. So for somebody like Patrick Ewing, he has this idea of what college athletics is supposed to be. And I worry that just that old school mentality may keep the program behind a little bit instead of embracing it. Like, understand, like, this is a new paradigm of college basketball. Like, embrace it or get left behind. I, I'm beyond excited. I also think, you know, I, I think a lot of the narrative around it beyond just the schools who just, like, didn't want to pay kids and, like, that was that, right? Like, oh, the slippery slope or whatever. There were, there were a lot of fans who would say, like, oh, this is also going to be so bad for mid-majors that, like, the transfers are bad for mid-majors and the NIL is bad for mid-majors. You're telling me that, like, a kid from – like, if there's some random kid from South Dakota who could choose to be, like, the 11th man on, let's say, some middle-tier uh, SEC or Big 12 team, whatever, or he could be the man at South Dakota State – and small businesses, like he can be the number one celebrity and actually mm-hmm. benefit financially from that celebrity. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they're like that Brookings, South Dakota is going to outbid like Kentucky or whatever, or Duke mm-hmm. or what have you. But like, mm-hmm. there are so many opportunities for people who go to choose to be on the bench at higher levels that 
might now choose the celebrity that comes with being at a, at a smaller school and being the man at that. Me school. the man there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've seen that I with mean, transfers as well. Like there's a I lot mean, of high major kids who go down to the mid majors and start showing off. Think how much a kid like Trey Lance could have made, you I know, mean, um, you know, just being like that big fish in that small pond. I, th- I think about Mike Dom all the time. <laughs> oh, there you go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, and, and nobody would expect, or like Chris Clemens or like, um, you know, any of those guys were putting up like 28 points a game and, you know, sort of like being sort of a Cinderella sweetheart type of guy. Like, mm-hmm. like those mid-major kids, if, if you win a NCAA tournament game and you're at a mid-major, like, forget about it. You're going to, you're going to get all the mattress uh, firm ads, you know, you're going to get all the, the, the lawyer ads, the car sale, the car dealership ad, you know what I mean? Like you're just going to be huge. Absolutely. So I, I think it's, I think it's great. I've been pushing for it and fighting dumb idiots on Reddit for years about this. So I'm <laughs> beyond ecstatic that it's here. Uh, I'm and sure Grant Golden, Grant Golden oh, can get I an mean, icy hot. He get an icy hot endorsement. <laughs> I know he's 50 years old. So, I mean, <laughs> it's not too late. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, and going back to what why I sort of brought this up, uh, the depth of talent this year beyond number one. I mean, I I think there's a good, I mean, honestly, fifteen ish teams that if they ended up being number two in the nation, I just wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, um, you agree. know, a lot of upside there just because of the sheer depth of talent and the high level talent that could be playing in Europe right now or the G League or whatever that chose to stay here. Yep. Um, so what I thought we would do today um, for the listener at home, we're going to sort of be reacting to some of the stuff that people are um, the, the people already posted that the AP posted their top 25 and some of the po- uh, the coaches polls, media polls for the for the major conferences. We just sort of wanted to talk about where we agree, where we disagree, maybe, you know, stuff like this. Uh, I figured that would be a, a nice jump off point. Uh, and so I just thought I'd start by talking about the preseason poll for uh, the AP, the top 25, right? And we agree already. We've already discussed the Gonzaga is pretty clearly number one. KB, in terms of depth, uh, what like obviously they've got Drew Timmy, who's a national player of the year candidate, sort of goes without saying. They got Chet Holmgren, certainly a candidate for the number one overall draft pick. In the, NC, uh, in the NBA draft next year. Uh, you've probably seen more potentially of some of the uh, the young guys like Hunter Salas than I have. Uh, what who, who tickles your fancy on Gonzaga in terms of depth? Uh, definitely Hunter Salas, um, no doubt about it. Uh, just watching him play, like he didn't – I guess you just associate a certain st- – a certain style to play with certain programs. Like I know when I see a Virginia kid, for example, a Wisconsin kid. Sure, totally. Right. right. I know when I see a Gonzaga kid. Some of the guys it's time to bring in now, I don't automatically just associate with Gonzaga anymore. And he kind of reminds me of why. Um, Chet Holmgren as well. I mean, he's white. So I guess some people don't really have a problem <laughs> with it right. just because, hey, he's white. I mean, yeah, he goes to Gonzaga. <laughs> but just like the way he plays the game. Yeah, it's different. And yeah, and like just the level of talent they're bringing in now, like they had taken it up a notch, they taking it up another notch. So now they're recruiting with everybody, and the guys they're bringing in that you know you don't have to wait two or three years for these guys. Like they're ready to play from day one and be stars. 
Right. It so, used to be that after red shirt, like Kelly Olenek and, and people right, like this, right, and they don't need right. to do that as much anymore. They don't need sure. to do that as much anymore. Like these guys, like they're ready to rock from game one. So to me, like, I mean, we can talk about it all night, but like, this is the, I'm not going to say this is the year. This has to be the year. There's no excuses. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, last year, I, I thought last year's team was one of the best college basketball teams I've seen in the last 15, 20 years, right? Like uh, like an incredible team that then, of course, for the narrative, and I'm glad that you sort of uh, brought up this idea of sort of historical Gonzaga in terms of like this, this has to be the year, because there is this narrative pushback of because of tournament result and tournament result alone that there is this um, even still to this day, a degree of maybe not in the media so much anymore, but of the viewers, a disrespect of Gonzaga of like, Oh, they just, they're never going to get it done. They can't get it done. Right. And I mean, we saw that with Virginia, with Tony Bennett, we've seen, we've seen that with other places that then ultimately got it done. Um, We haven't even talked at all. You and I about, last year's championship game um, where, yeah, Gonzaga got the brakes beat off him yeah. um, by a Baylor and team. Stu- and stuff like that leaves a bad taste in people's mouth as well. It does, although I would also argue that that Baylor team was also probably one of the best college basketball teams that I'd seen in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. you know, so on and no so doubt. forth. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that <laughs> – in terms of the attitude adjustment, right, the uh, the Gonzaga style that you alluded to, something that started happening last year, like even Jalen Suggs, who was sort of easily, I think, the top recruit they'd ever gotten until Chet Holmgren, if I recall correctly. That's even true. He, he, he had a, a, a demeanor of, uh, I'm composed, I, I, I seem like a, a good dude, right? Like this, they have a very sort of clean cut image, generally speaking. And I, it's definitely going to start. It started to shift with Timmy already because Timmy mm-hmm. was stunting on dudes in the uh, in the tournament doing the, right. like the, the mustache twirl and shit, um, right. which I love. I mean, the, the game needs more assholes. Right. So if he wants to lean into that, I'm, I'm super stoked about it. People aren't ready for Chet Holmgren and like what an asshole he is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like and he plays like it too like he he's aggressive dude like i'm that's why like uh, people look at gonzaga and they're like oh big white guy like cool but he's like an he's like a nimble athletic big white guy and he's gonna like be, he's gonna be woofing at dudes out there like <laughs> like somebody's gonna he's gonna go up to try to block a shot and somebody's gonna dunk on him because he's skinny so like he will get dunked on but then he's gonna go back the other way dunk on that person and he's gonna have words you know what that's i mean that's what like, he does yeah that's what he does and and i feel like that's not been the perception of like this is what gonzaga is like gonzaga is not the team where the stars are are like wolfing at the dudes on the other side like right or not that's the perception so I definitely think <laughs> I think that's going to change big time this year, like regardless of what happens. I agree that this is a, a pretty important year. Like you just you don't Chet Holmgren's don't grow on trees. Bringing back a guy who was a first team All-American that doesn't grow on trees in the modern era. Um, certainly, again, having Hunter Salas, who I do think, you know, is one of the more athletic sort of guard wings that they've brought in. Um, I saw I saw some of those dunks that he had uh, at their uh, at their uh, the their midnight madness thing, and that was 
he's he's got some stuff. And then obviously having some he can like, play too. He can really put the yeah. ball in the hole, man. Yeah. And and they got Andrew Nemhard back, Anton Watson's back. I mean, like Nolan Hickman, if they can get anything yeah. from him. Burton, um, hey, hey man, he's got a real good game around the cup. Like really knows how to get to the rim, knows how to finish both hands. Like, like I'm saying, like these kids are coming yeah. in, like they're ready to go. And they might not even like it. I feel like a guy like Hickman starts at the vast majority of high major schools, probably. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he's going to potentially be a bench guy for Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So again, that, that tells you the level of depth here. Um, you know, in the AP top 25, here's the rest of the top 10. I'll just sort of run them down real quick. Number two, UCLA, number three, Kansas, number four, Villanova, five, Texas, six, Michigan, seven, Purdue, eight, Baylor, nine, Duke, 10, Kentucky, uh, and then that's followed by Illinois, Memphis, Oregon, Alabama, Houston. Uh, anything stand out there in terms of like somebody being way overrated, way underrated in your mind? Um, I think teams just, uh, I'm saying the top 25 just in general, who I think may be a little underrated. Um, I think Purdue is a little underrated. Uh, I agree. Matt Painting and coach is ass off. They're deep. Um, they're experienced. And um, I think if Jay Navi takes a leap, they could be found a full bound. Uh, I mean, you, you're, you're, you're beating me to one of my big talking points here, but yeah, I am, I'm all in on Purdue this year. Uh, they're definitely uh, just poised. I mean, they, they bring back everybody of consequence. I mean, like if you look at his results, painters results of the last six years, I mean, he's been top 25, all six of the last six years, he's been top, uh, sorry, seven of the last seven years, he's been top 25 in terms of how they finished. He's been finished in the top. Oh, sorry. I'm looking at 2022. So I was right the first time. All six years, top 25, three of those years finishing in the top 10. I mean, like I bet if you lined up how many coaches have finished in the top 25 with half of their finishes in the top 10 over the last six years, that's a very short list. That's an exceptionally, uh, exceptionally short list. So I, uh, I think they're great. The fact that they got so much talent. Trevion Williams, I think, is getting sort of criminally underrated. Like, Big Ten didn't even have – we're going to talk about this in a minute. He wasn't even on the preseason first team for Big Ten. Now, Big Ten is stacked, but, Mm -hmm. like, how does that happen? You know what I mean? Like, people people have Kofi Coburn locked in as, like, first team All-American, like, period. Mm -hmm. Yep. Is Trevion Williams that – much worse than Kofi Coburn that he like in doesn't seem to really be in the conversation as much. Like that makes yeah. no sense to me. And I yeah, Jade, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Jaden Ivy, I mean, like, I, I do think that people are like, I, I think that because he, he ended the year so strong last year, people like he was on the big 10 all first team above Trevion Williams. I, I don't think it should be that way. <laughs> I think it should be Williams. But he's got the potential in terms of, uh, you know, guards and wings this year. It's, it's a year with so many big men that are really, really good who came back to school mm-hmm. that he, he's going to be one of the better, you know, sort of guards or wings in, in, this, in this season. Like, even if the shot – even if the way the shot was going at the end of last year and the way it was falling, even if that, like, sort of regresses back to the mean, I'd be really surprised if he doesn't end up, you know – First, first team or at the very top, second team, Big Ten, certainly All American conversation. And yeah, I, I agree. I think that at what what are they? What did I say? Seven. Yeah, seven I is too so, low. Yeah. Seven's too yeah. low. 
uh, they would be firmly, I mean, I've got my list. <laughs> uh, they, they're at number four on my list. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think leaving them outside of the top. Not, like, you, you think it should be kind of obvious, but. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, but that does beg the question, right? Like if, if they are clearly too low at seven, who in that top six is, is clearly too high. Uh, like who, who in that top six do you I think definitely take, needs to be below Purdue? Uh, Villanova. Yeah. Now you're the Big East guy, so I'll let you take lead. But I, but I do generally agree here. What what are your thoughts in terms of where Villanova is placed here? Uh, I would have Villanova under. I don't know about Texas, to be honest. I would have them under Michigan, Purdue, Baylor, Duke. So you'd have them like sort of tail end of the top 10. Yeah, they're a top 10 team, no doubt about it. Yeah. But not at four. No, I think that's a little high. Yeah, I mean, maybe if I could have thought, and I got uh, when we did uh, the – when I had uh, Jim from the three man weave on here, we, uh, we talked a little bit about some hot takes and, and I said that Villanova, I thought was too high. Um, and I think consensus since we had the, con- I think when we had that conversation, they were like consensus two or three in the country. And I think that most people are, are bumping them back a little bit. I think one of the things that would have made that difference is if Brian Antoine, if we knew he was healthy and we knew he was going to play a full season, but you also can't know that. And also he's already hurt (laughs) even after the conversation I had uh, last time I did one of these. So uh, yeah, I I think there's a bit of a depth issue. I think if your best player is Colin Gillespie, I don't, first of all, I don't necessarily know in terms of like best player, he might be their most important player probably, but like best player, I don't know if that's true. Um, Like if you just name the best players on a lot of these teams, I mean, I guess this feels like sacrilege because Colin Gillespie was, you know, a co-winner of Big East Player of the Year, and he was this, you know, All-American contender last year and whatever. But, like, I, I, he feels like a very good college player. And there are a lot of guys this year who the best player on the team is not a very good college player, but a guy who will play professional basketball, mm-hmm. who could be playing right now and is not. So uh, I do, I do think I'd have Villanova maybe a little higher than you, mostly just because of the coach and because I like Samuels, I like more, right? They got like a lot of, a lot of pretty good dudes still, but I do think there's a talent differential to some extent between them and a lot of these other teams in the top 10. Yeah, I agree with that. Even though I do think, and we'll get to the big East, but I do think they're clearly the best team in the big East. No doubt about it. Um, I want to bring up UCLA. Um, in terms of if we're talking about teams that are ranked too highly. And this is like a common theme that we're going to talk about maybe a few times uh, over the course of talking about these uh, high major teams. There is a lot of overreacting to uh, NCAA tournament runs that's Mm -hmm. happening in general. And it happens every year. I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise. And it happens during the regular season too. Like I remember there was that season where Furman like beat Villanova and then all of a sudden they were a top 25 team. Like, like, like people just like to like, just do the narrative thing. Right. And so I get it. And certainly I would also have them as a top 10 team. Number two feels really aggressive. Cause like if Mich- if Aaron Henry makes the shot at the end of regulation in the first four, uh, and they get knocked out of the first four. Are, are they preseason number two? Absolutely right? not. No way. 
right? And they did a run that was very impressive and a lot of fun to watch, but it was a lot of like Johnny Juzang taking like maybe one would say ill-advised mid-range contested twos that went in, you know, like, and, and there's like the, the tournament just requires a degree of luck that people then don't factor in. And like, I, again, I live right by UCLA. So if anybody who is my neighbor listening to this, I'm really sorry, but like uh, as fun as it is to watch that, you have to, you have to see what their body of work is over the course of the full season. And the other thing that really skews people with UCLA, I think is that in the uh, PAC 12 tournament, they lost to Oregon state in that first game. If Oregon state doesn't go on their run, that's a really shitty loss, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like UCLA had some tough, some tough results at the end of that regular season. Uh, yeah, they got talent, but like how much of that talent is stuff that like we like elevated in our minds because of the tournament. I think there's no way that they should be higher, certainly than Kansas, uh, than Texas, Purdue, Michigan, uh, Kentucky. Uh, I mean, like uh, these are schools that I would just easily slot in above UCLA. So yeah, that's that's my UCLA rant. Do you have any thoughts on UCLA? <laughs> I think it all depends on if you believe this is the team that played in the tournament last year. Um, you know, this is still a team that lost 10 games. Uh, you know, you get hot at the end of the year, like you said. Um, it's aggressive, no doubt about it. But when you bring back all your starters, uh, you know, Peyton Watson, get, obviously. Yeah, right. You know, people can get caught up in that type of stuff. And they think like, oh, this is, you know, this is the team we thought they were going to be. And they kind of showed that in right. the tournament. So, um just aggressive, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, them being top 10, yeah. But two, yeah, I agree. That's, that's, that's a little high. Yeah, I've, I've got them at nine on mine. Um, the other one that I want to bring up, and you sort of alluded to it already a little bit, I, I'm very high on Texas. And I am, I think I'm like the, the guy who is going to be too high on Texas, just in general of everyone I've spoken to. Um. I, I would even entertain them over Kansas in the big 12. I, I just think that Chris Beard is one of the great, you know, sort of young coaches in college. They got what, like five of the top eight to 10 transfers available in the transfer portal. In addition to returning Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, uh, you know, uh, they have a lot of bodies and, and like, I know that it's a lot of new stuff being put together. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they take an L like early in the season or something like this, but like Marcus Carr, Trey Mitchell, Timmy Allen, Christian Bishop. I mean, like, I feel like Christian Bishop is a guy who's, who's maybe not even going to start for Texas. And Christian Bishop was a good player in the big East last year. Like these are not, none of these transfers are people like, like four of the guys were guys who were really good high major players. And then Trey Mitchell from UMass is a guy who clearly should have been a high major player, you know? So like, that's the one dude I wanted above anybody else in the portal. I, I kind of wanted him to. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody see, the thing who watched is, him like, was like he he would be a guy at Duke, but like to us, I'm like that no, would be he, he would have changed he would have changed the game for Georgetown. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah, and for Texas, I mean, it, Texas makes sense because he's he's going to start. I mean, like he's going to have a really strong featured role for a top five team. So I get him going there. And again, like Duke didn't need him. It would have been a, it would have been a luxury. But like I. I'm a big fan of his game. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. And so, yeah, you combine all of that stuff and 
in my mind, one of the better coaches in the sport. And yeah, I'm, I'm really all in on Texas this year. Um, maybe I'll just be caught with my pants down on this, but like, yeah, again, they're, they're number two on my board. I, and I've not seen them higher than three or four on most. So like uh, beginning of the season in particular, I'm going to be, I'm going to be hammering them in Vegas. Yeah. Um, they're one team that I looked at, you know, it looks really good on paper. I'll just wait to see how it gels. I, I mean, I think that's the rational choice. I'm just, uh, you know, there's always got to be like one or two teams where you stick your flag in the ground and you're like, I will be the person here before it happens, mm. you know, and you and you will risk the egg on the face to be like, this is my team. And Texas is definitely a team that I am exceptionally high on this year. Um, I, my top 10, just for the record, I've got Gonzaga. I got Texas. I got Kansas at three. I got Purdue four. I got Kentucky five. Villanova six. Michigan seven, Duke eight, UCLA nine. And then I've got Alabama at 10. I also think I'm higher on Alabama than some other people. And again, maybe because I seem to be higher on Kentucky and Alabama and Texas, maybe I'm getting just a little caught up in the teams that are getting some really high quality transfers into the mix. But um, yeah, I mean, those are coaches that tend to get really good results, getting players that are not going to be scared of the moment who are ready plus very good freshmen on top of that. I, I just tend to think that that sort of returning talent plus transfer talent plus elite freshman talent, that that's a, that's a huge recipe for success in my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody else you wanted to talk about in terms of being a little, a little high, a little low in, in this top 25 here. It's top 25. Uh, I think a little low Merlin. Um, I think it's a little low. Uh, hate to say it, Ooh, but um, okay, okay, I, okay. I, I, I like the depth. Um, I think they're a talented team. I hear a lot of uh, preseason chatter about Utah transfer Ian Martinez and freshman Julian Reese. Uh, I think uh, there's a certain young man that transferred from one school to Maryland. Uh, <laughs> How do you feel about I think that? It, it's just something like like growing up here, you just never think you see something like that. Like somebody f- go from Georgetown to Maryland or Maryland to Georgetown. Like it's one of those things that just never happens. I think like it, it's you just, a baffling decision. Baffling. Yeah, that's a good it's way baffling. of putting it. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. You um, can be coached by Pat Ewing, first mm-hmm. of all. Which mm-hmm. I mean, okay, like maybe, maybe some kids these days don't grow up watching – Pat Ewing. So maybe it's more just a reputation rather than seeing it with one's eyes. Uh, Okay, I guess. But like he's also had such great results running a system that is designated to feature the big man. (laughs) You know, like Maryland had like one of their better seasons ever last year, specifically because they were running all like perimeter action. They weren't running through the post nearly at all. And it's really kind of baffling also that Maryland would think, ah, you know what we need to do? We need to go back to the diamond stone days. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to go back to the ways that just didn't really work out, you know? And plus they had like Anthony Cowan, they had Mello Trimble, they had guys that were good. I don't think Fats Russell is on those, is on that level at all. No, he's not. So, and like having like a, a point guard in the big 10, that's like five, nine and like a buck 70, you know, like, like I'm bigger than fats Russell, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, so I'm a little lower on Maryland, I think than you, uh, you know, I just, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around them getting away from the thing that brought them success last year. I think losing more cell is going to be huge. 
mm-hmm. and then just handing the keys to Fats Russell, a guy who was an inconsistent and sort of inefficient player in the Atlantic 10, and then putting him in the Big 10. I just, I just think there's going to be too many losses there for them to remain like a top 15, top 20 team. I think they were a top 25 team, even without Eric Ayala. Um, but I think him coming back to me, I was like, once he came back, okay, they got like that him. guy that's going to be, yeah, I, I think he's going to be that guy that's going to get them, you know, buckets when they need him. And again, I, I think it is also maybe just I'm a little too close to uh, what's going on, but right. like I said, I, I'm, just, I'm just hearing a lot of stuff about the newcomers. And um, they said these are guys going to be able to contribute immediately. And I like the guys that they had coming back. I don't understand why Daryl Moore so left. Uh, that's another that's one that's bad. that's also baffling. Yeah, it's kind of baffling. <laughs> um, but then again, you know, I understand what you're saying about Fast Russell. I agree. I think he's going to be more of a complimentary player. I don't – when I look at how this season is going to end up, of course he's going to figure into it. But I think there are other guys who are going to step forward and be – like more of the main guys on that team. Um, so again, maybe I'm too close to it, but yeah. you know, looking at where they were at 21, I think they could end up being a little bit better than that. I, and, I just think so. I just think so many of Turgeon's teams have centered around that point guard, that high usage point guard who does mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, you know, and so this, it, if if it's not going to be Russell, if they if they run it through a wing instead, or okay, which you know, fair enough, that that definitely could happen. But then, like, also, he's going to want to run, and, like, Wahab can't – like, he's not a guy who's going to – like, he, he'd be benefiting from a, a slowdown system. Fats Russell won't benefit from a slowdown system. Yeah, well, he can actually he – can, he, can, he can run run. Um, I think that's kind of the reason why he left Georgetown. Maybe it, now, I know that that's stuff, true. The question is the wisdom of it. <laughs> yeah, the stuff that I'm hearing is that he kind of felt like he was playing a little bit too much in the paint. Um, at Georgetown, he wanted to do, you know, show he can do a little more things on offense. That's what I hear. You know, whether or not he's going to be able to do that in Maryland, we'll see. But then again, I think he won't be the focus of their offense. Yeah. Which, again, makes the decision to leave all the more baffling. Um, yeah, I agree. But, yeah, uh, so we'll disagree on that one. Um, I, again, the, the Wiggins and Ayala pair is, is is palpable enough that, like, you know, I – I guess I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I think they'll be a, a good team. Like, I think they'll be a top, you know, 30 to 35 team consistently. I, I, I don't really disagree. We'll talk about the Big Ten. I don't really disagree with where they're ranked preseason in the Big Ten for the most part. But, like, 21, like, I, I just look at, like, a team like, like Auburn or even a team like UConn. Like, they're, they're going to rack up a lot of wins. Mm-hmm. You know, Saint, the Bonnie's going to rack up a lot of wins. Like, and, and the Big Ten is going to be tough this year. Like, if you're the sixth best team in the Big Ten, like, unless you're sweeping early in the season, like, I, I just sort of wonder whether you've got sort of the goods to to rack up that sort of record, you know. But I don't know. Well, let me, okay. Let me, I got one more. Uh, Please. I think it was overrated in AP Top 25. Memphis. Ah, I okay. I believe it when I see it. The good news <laughs> Like they, I think they have a half floor, and it won't all be on Jalen Duran and Amani Bates. But again, I'll believe it when I see it with Memphis. Yeah, but what are your thoughts on uh, Duran and Bates? Um, I was never really that high on Amani Bates. Now he may still end up going to the NBA and 
you know, being, you know, a perennial all-star, that could definitely happen. I just remember, like, people comparing him, like, being a generational talent like a LeBron. And I just, even, like, at that age, like, you saw it with LeBron when he was a sophomore in high school. Like, okay, I understand that one day he's going to be a special talent. Yeah, right. I don't know if I was, I don't know if I saw that with Imani Bates. I've ever saw it. Now I really like Jalen Dern. Uh, I'm very high on a, him. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of uh, Chris Webb in a lot of ways. Like when you saw him in high Ooh. school, he already had he already had that NBA physique. Like you you right. see it with some kids. Like okay, he doesn't need to do anything. Like he has a bat, like a body that was made to play the four. You know what I'm saying? So from there on out, it's just learning to find a you know aspects of the game, but. Right. Physically, he's ready to go from day one. So it won't all be on them, but they have the they have the chance to easily go to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, just from a talent standpoint. But I don't know how it's going to come together because, you know, we've seen Penny get five-star, you know, top-tier talent and it hasn't really worked out that well. Right. So I don't, I don't know what it is. Is it a program thing? Like, I mean, the jury's out on him as a coach. So I agree. I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, but I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I, uh, I think this is also an interesting, like you said about Gonzaga, you know, uh, this is the year. I think for Memphis, this is the year. <laughs> like Gonzaga, even if even if they disappoint this year, it's not like Mark Few is going anywhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's still mm-hmm. going to coach there as long as he wants or whatever. But like if you've got this crew i mean landers nolly's a really good player deandre williams mm-hmm. is a good player earl timberlake i really liked coming out of high school absolutely a, a new a new change of scenery i think would be great for him um see like guys know. like that like that's why i think they have a high floor yeah but when you look at it it's like this should be easily a sweet 16 team easily i mean in terms but of I, just talent they should be a top five team yeah okay no doubt yeah but but that's where the questions come in, right? Because they've had the talent beyond where they've finished the season a couple times now. And, like, uh, my biggest question really is how do you deal with DeAndre Williams and Duran, who, like, DeAndre Williams is uh, – I really liked last year, right? Um, I don't think he's going to play <laughs> – I don't think he should be playing as much in the post as he probably needs to be playing mm-hmm. with Duran there yeah. because you should just be playing Duran. But like, also he is your senior guy who like you probably on most teams would be looking to a senior guy to get you a bucket in places like that. And, and they want to occupy the same space. Furthermore, the reports that they're going to run Amani Bates at point guard. Now ridiculous. That's frightening to me. <laughs> You know, and hey, hey, you know what? That's one of those whatever it takes type of deals. And you, you, and you know what? Kid and you tell them, hey, whatever yeah. it takes. You want to play for sure, whatever it takes. You get and, and NIL says, here's a big ass check from FedEx or whatever. FedEx, sure, right? yeah. whatever it I, takes. Absolutely. I, I, I think, but apparently they, they haven't benefited from that. That's what the coach yeah, is. Right. So, yeah. I, I think that, I think that Imani running point will be very, very good for Imani's MBA future right mm-hmm. learning to pass a little better learning to play a little more like 
heads up, maybe not like shooting as much because like his his relative lack of athleticism for his wing size. I mean, we can just sort of call it what it is. And obviously the lack of wingspan for it, which which I guess people who watched high school kind of knew about these things already. But then obviously Memphis had that pro day. And then it was like, oh, he's like six nine with like a six seven wings. But I'm making up those numbers, but it was something like that, right? Like he's he's short armed for a, for an NBA wing that that people have thrown the name Kevin Durant out in comparison to, right? Like, obviously patently ridiculous, but especially more ridiculous when you realize that Kevin is also an incredible athlete and super long armed and like great. And at NBA shit <laughs> and, and Amani Bates just is not there. So I do think that learning how to handle the ball when you are the focal point more and learning how to pass more and things like that would be very good for Amani Bates's NBA draft stock. I don't know that it converts to wins though. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and maybe, maybe Penny is playing the long game, right? Like I know that Amani Bates in theory, like he definitely cannot enter the NBA draft after this season. He's too young. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could go to the G league or something, <laughs> but like, could. you know, but or he, he, or he could just play two years at Memphis or he could play mm-hmm. two years. So maybe he, maybe like, maybe he doesn't feel like he has that degree of pressure. Maybe he thinks that the best thing for Memphis basketball is to have, a second year Amani Bates who has played through the adversity and, you know, has, has figured out some things and fair enough that that might be right. I don't mm-hmm. know, but like, I think Duran is a really special talent and having him and Bates on the floor at the same time. I mean, people give Duke shit for not doing more with RJ Barrett and Zion Williams. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, like I know what it's like <laughs> mm-hmm. when you've got two, incredibly heralded talents coming in and you don't do things. And like I said, Memphis, that, that smells like a sweet 16 team to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to agree. Easily, sh- easily should be, should be, but again, yeah. but again, yeah. I, I, well, it should by again, by just talent alone. Absolutely. Like if you're just, if you're only putting people in the final four based on talent, it is a very strong argument that Memphis should be in the final four, but you can't consider just that. Nope. Yeah. Uh, any, anyone else in that top 25 before we move on? Nah, that's about it. Yeah. Again, I'm high on Alabama. Uh, we'll talk about them in the sec. I'm high on Houston. Although I think they're kind of more or less ranked a little right. I would have Memphis below Houston mm-hmm. personally. Uh, I'm, I'm, I just think Kelvin Sampson's done an amazing job there. And just like amazing they just, job, and and no matter what bodies come in, like uh, they figure it out, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, that. This it's kind of like Virginia. It's a, a culture thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a culture it's, thing. A hundred percent, right? Like you can probably much like with Virginia or whatever, you can probably look at certain dudes that Houston brings in and go, "Oh, that's a Houston dude." Like I get it. Yep. You know, yeah. um, they, they, they're the type yeah. of team now. Like when I fill out my bracket in any year, like I, I'm starting to like put them further and further, maybe further than I should sometimes. Yep. But again, it's just a culture thing. Like I uh, know they're going to, they're going to come prepared to play and they're going to be a tough out every night. How far did they make it last year? KB? Houston made it to the final four. And on this very podcast last season, where did yours truly say that Houston would make it? The final four. That's correct. I just wanted, I, I wanted some confirmation on that. Um, no doubt about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah the whole time I'm like, hey, Russ called it. Okay. Yep. 
Yep. Hmm. I, that was last year was one of my best. Bra- I had three of the final four teams uh, in my bracket. I, I had a great year, um, which was funny because I did the normal thing that I always do where I was like, now take it all with a grain of salt because normally I'm really shitty at this. <laughs> and then it worked out. I think that um, I think that Tennessee. I mean, we'll talk about SEC in a, uh, in a minute. I'm just gonna put out there that I think Tennessee might be a little underrated in that top 25 as well. Mm, I can see that. Um, but we'll talk about them in a minute. Um, great. Let's talk about the ACC. Uh, let's just dive right into some uh, high major stuff. If you hear a lot of noise, it's my dog being crazy. Uh, ACC has uh, Duke as the uh, preseason champion, Florida State number two, UNC three uh, in Hubert Davis's first year, Virginia four, Vatek five, Louisville six, Syracuse seven. That's the top half there. Uh, anything stand out to you there as being uh, not wise? <laughs> uh, I would have – you talk about underrated team. Well, to me, Duke is the best team. Um, just too much talent. Uh, and I think the significance of this season was going to motivate Duke as well. So if they're in the final four, it's not going to surprise me. I also think uh, that like if, if Duke, you know, I think there's been a little bit of narrative going around because of them being the preseason pick where everyone's like, but they haven't won an ACC regular season title in like a decade, which is true. And it's crazy to think about, but at the same time, who is better than them this year? Like definitely no better than them, no you know? One. And then when you consider that because it's coach K's retirement year, you think we're not getting the friendliest whistle in the ACC? Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred yeah, percent. We are. So yeah, I, I agree. I, and it's I think going to drive people thing. nuts all year. Oh, pe- people are already fuming that he is having a retirement, like going away season the way that like Kobe did or some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pe- people are fuming about it, but that's, that's par for the course. Uh, what, what else in here? I would say underrated uh, Virginia tech. Uh, if I could buy stock in a program in this conference, it would be them. Yeah. Um, the program is definitely ascending. I like the way they play. Um, KB Aluma is really good. Um, talk about a kid. I look at it and I'm like, damn, if Georgetown had him, Sure. Uh, so yeah, that kind of stands out. I would have them like over Virginia. Like I don't yeah. know why. Like I think his Virginia was in the AP top twenty-five. I believe. I think at twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were at twenty-five, yeah. and Virginia Tech would have been just by like who else received votes? They would have been at thirty. So I mean, like yeah. same ballpark essentially. But yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, Virginia lost too much. So I, I would have Virginia Tech over Virginia. Yeah, I I mean, I, I tend to agree. I, I tend to agree. Uh, I, I love Mike Young. I agree. I was high on Mike Young at the time. I think that um, th- there were some people who did not, who were not stoked about the Mike Young signing, uh, and I I didn't understand that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they do bring a good amount back. I, the part of me that just can't, I, I can't get past the fact that Virginia every year just seems to find a way. Like they seem to be a team that is just like, again, one of these teams like Houston or whatever, the bodies don't really matter. You can just plug them in as like a top, like four or five seed in the NCAA tournament because they're just going to win games. Like I just like how many times has Tony Bennett not, you know, in the last 
eight or nine years <laughs> just yeah. had a team that like sort of bullshitted around and figured it out. I mean, they, they won the ACC last year, last year, you mm-hmm. know, that's, that's crazy to me. Like everybody was expecting them to be low. I mean, I mean, outside they had one seven seed in 2020 and then you have to go back to 2013 for the last time they weren't a top five seed in the NCAA tournament. So like that, that to me, even though I agree from a, just a sheer who they have on the roster this season, I, I agree that I don't see it. I know that people are, are high on uh, a Reese Beekman jump. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Armand Franklin could figure some things out. Jaden Gardner. I do like what he could bring. Although again, he's, it's not like he has like a, a rich history of winning behind him, but he was also not at a school with a rich history of winning behind him. So, you know, a new change of scenery could really make that work. Um, I have heard good things about that Igor Milicic guy. There's always, there's always like one Euro team, Euro player on a team like Virginia that like Mm -hmm. just comes in for like 12 minutes and you're like, God damn, he's, he's good. What happened here? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I, I tend to, I thought about that. I would have Virginia tech over Virginia probably, but I also don't, hate anyone putting Virginia over Virginia tech. Like I just, it's, it's hard for me to get around. If I was going to put Virginia tech ahead of Virginia, I'd have to make sure I was like very high on Virginia tech, like definite top four or five seed in the NCAA tournament high. And this season, I'm not it's, that a, high on it's, it's a little cuspy. It's a little cuspy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, boy, I, I really wanted to say that Syracuse is overrated KB just, you know, mm. Just having a Georgetown guy on and, uh, you know, the fact that they got rid of Kadari Richmond, we'll talk about that in a minute, but like, mm-hmm. but they also just like, didn't play him that much. So like, and, and also yeah. what am I, I going to do? Put Notre Dame over Syracuse. Like it, it really does feel like in the ACC, there are very clear delineated tiers that are, are pretty unimpeachable. And like, there's a top six teams for me. And then there's Syracuse. And then there's like Notre Dame, NC State, Georgia Tech. Maybe you could go Clemson. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, or maybe like Clemson, Miami is that next tier. And then there's the Wake Pitt, Boston College tier. And then, like, that's just how it is. And, and I haven't seen many preseason polls that differ wildly from that. Uh, any of the uh, ACC player of the year or the, or the first team, like any, anything interesting there in your mind? Um, I didn't even check out the team. Uh, so first team for all ACC was uh, Buddy Beheim, uh, Aluma, mm-hmm. Paolo Banquero, uh, Armando Baycott, Isaiah Wong. Second team, Michael DeVoe, Kihei Clark, Prentice Hub, Mark Williams, and then a three-way tie for the last spot from Wendell Moore, Caleb Love, Malik Williams. Hmm. I don't think there's anything insanely – wrong like glaringly wrong yeah it, it's it sounds right yeah the caleb love pick is obviously projection yeah right just because he had objectively this is not me as a duke fan he had objectively one of the least efficient seasons of any basketball player in ncaa last year right just an exceptionally bad year i don't i i can't imagine that unc fans would counter that other than the fact that he played very well against Duke, which of course he did. Right. (laughs) 
there's no way that if UNC has a has a an elite point guard uh, prospect having a super shitty season, he will of course be good against Duke because that's always what happens. So there's projection there, but he's got the pedigree. I don't really hate that choice. I do think that looking at it, I mean, they Bancaro was named a preseason player of the year, but the top vote getter for first team ACC was Buddy Beheim, and that is surprising to me. Hmm. Because he didn't even make ACC honorable mention last year. Hmm. He just made a ton of threes in the tournament, and now he is the top <laughs> vote getter for first team. And I mean, I guess there's also the projection here, right, of he's going to take a gajillion shots this year. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> you don't have to chime in. I can do the work. No, I can no. I can do I can do the heavy it's, lifting. It's here. funny. I actually have a buddy behind mentioned later on. Oh, okay. I uh I would have put uh Mike DeVoe from Georgia Tech uh over him or like maybe even Prentice Hub, another guy that's going to be sort of middle of the ACC and is going to get as many shots as he wants. Um, there is the biased part of me that thinks Mark Williams has a chance based on how he played at the end of the year last year. Um, but you know, there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed on that team as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't see anything glaring there other than Beheim being the top vote getter was, was interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. And again, last year, Prentice Hub made third team last year. DeVoe and Kihei Clark made honorable mention, but he did not. So that's interesting. Big East, let's go to your neck of the woods, KB. Um, we have here, in terms of what the rankings are, at least the top five, Villanova, UConn, Xavier, St. John, Seton Hall, in that order. Anything there or in the rest of those rankings uh, strike you as something you disagree with? Uh, yeah, it's Villanova than everybody else. Uh, UConn should be the second best team in the conference. Uh, looking at the preseason um, poll, I've seen some people predict that Creighton will finish in the top half of the conference. Um, I've seen a couple of people say they're going they're going to get a, a at large bid. Yeah, I don't see it. Um, yeah, they lost way too much from last season, and yeah. I don't really know too much about uh. And everybody that they got coming in. So I know their freshman class this year is the best. It's the best they've ever had. It's the yeah. best they've ever had. So I'm sure there's mm -hmm. a bit of uh projection there based on, well, if McDermott can do this with people that don't have this pedigree, then imagine. But but I agree. I I, I don't see them as a as an at-large team. I mean, it's maybe by second year. This is probably a team that I would I would buy in a lot more if the freshman class was sophomores. Yeah. Um, and underrated. Hey man. I'm just gonna say it, Georgetown. I don't know if Georgetown is ten. Um, I'm not saying they're gonna finish in the top half of the conference, but they're better than Creighton. Uh, okay. They bring back Dante Harris, the most outstanding player in the Big East tournament. Uh, Pat brought in a really good recruiting class. Amina Muhammad is a preseason freshman of the year. Um, you know they got some solid transfers coming in. Uh, losing uh, Trey King is going to hurt. Uh, I don't know what happened there, but. Um, he's already uh, um, announced he's going into the portal. I think he announced it early on today. So uh, he's one of those kids that, you know, if there was one guy coming in, I was like, you know what, that's the type of dude that we need for this year. After we lost Wahab, we needed somebody like him. And um, he's not even going to play a game for Georgetown. So that, that, that really hurts. But I think if some guys do take a leap again, I, We've seen like just them and DePaul in the basement over the last couple of years. And I'm tired of them. 
Like just getting <laughs> real comfortable with the ball in the basement. I don't right. know if they're the basement team um, uh, this year. I think they can right. be a little bit better than that. So, uh, yeah. Are you concerned at all by, again, talking about sort of small sample size stuff, you know, Dante Harris definitely struggled with efficiency for most of the year, not in a Caleb Love way, but in in a noteworthy way. He obviously mm-hmm. figured it out for the tournament, for sure. Uh, and he was like that game against Creighton is one of the most jaw dropping. Holy shit. What am I watching right now? Right. Like, because mm-hmm. people had written him off and then they didn't just win. They like they, they just stomped on them. It was an it was an incredible game to watch. So I mean, I think I did text you after that, and I was like, "Man, you got to be happy." But I I I do worry. It's hard for me to disagree strongly with people who would have Georgetown at ten. Not because I think they don't have the potential to be better. Certainly, like Marquette, I don't have a lot of good faith in Shaka's first season there. Um. And then Creighton, again, I, I think Creighton out of the teams that are ranked 8 through 11 there, I think Creighton has the highest ceiling if some of those freshmen pop, right? But I I do get alarmed that I would be betting pretty heavily on the Dante Harris of the Big East tournament sort of playing that way with a good degree of consistency. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a fair take? I think the thing with him last year was that he got thrust into a role sure. he wasn't 100% ready for because, you know, you got all these, um, you know, guys leaving the team. Uh, Jalen Harris was supposed to be the point guard. Um, he left the team in December. Uh, he was the transfer from Arkansas. He's supposed to start the season at point guard. All of a sudden, he leaves the team. And he didn't come back. And all of a sudden we have this glaring hole at the point guard position. And, you know, he made a lot of mistakes early on in the season. He was just a kid that was trying to do too much too soon. Sure. You know, I think it was a big step up for him in competition. And I think it took a while for the game to slow down for him. But from game one, you saw the talent. Like I remember real early, like watching him, yeah, watching him come in games. I'm like, hey. We haven't had a kid like this at the point guard in a while. And with just his ability to get to the cup, get other guys involved, his quickness. Um, he's a real smart basketball player as well. And just a lot of grit, you know, the type of kid that other guys, like even older guys were following just because he was like, come on, I got y'all. Like, just follow my lead. Like, we're going to, you know, there's going to be some bumps along the road. But just watching his maturation as a player last season, I was just extremely proud of the team overall, but just what he, how he transformed that team once he really started to come on later on in the season. It's like, this is what the spark that we needed at that position. And I think just him, you know, getting a lot stronger um, in the offseason, you see the confidence. He's a guy that can really lead a team maybe ab- above what you think they should be. Sure. And, um, yeah, I'm just, he, I'm excited he, to yeah. watch him. So I, I I'm excited to watch him. I, he's season, he's so. better than any other players in the in the bottom four teams. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just excited, and um, also think Aminu Muhammad. I think he's going to be a little bit better offensively than what people expect. I think people expect him day one. You know, he's you know he's a very athletic kid. Um, 
more known for his defensive prowess, which is how he gets after it on defense. But I think his offense is going to be a little bit better. I think, you know, I've seen some clips of him at practices, and that jumper looks a little, little more smooth than I thought it would look. So um, I think in the backcourt, you know, McDonald Carey coming back, they're going to be able to, you know, put the ball in the hole. I just think just this rim protection, like who's going to be around the rim. Uh, it's just a big hole right now. Yeah. I mean, they got bodies, but I'm not expecting yeah. a whole lot out of Malcolm Wilson, Tim Diego, F.A. It's just, yeah. And, you know, not to make this too much about Georgetown, because I know we got a lot of stuff to cover still, but, you know, last couple of seasons, obviously, uh, Pat's lost some of the more notable names that have been in the program to transfer. Mm-hmm. Do you have any concerns about that? You have to. Um, anytime yeah. you've seen this much roster turnover, like, it, it raises alarms. And I, it's, it's one of those things I tell people all the time. I'm like, you, you can't give Pat sometimes, a, a, you know, a pass on how so many seasons have ended because guys have left when these are the guys that you brought in. Right. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> right. one guys that were there that, you know, when you got there and all of a sudden you came along and, you know, they kind of got the hint that, you know, they weren't in the long-term plans of, of the program anymore when they left. Like, no, nah, these are guys that you've brought in. You, know, you look at the number of guys that have transferred, they've been just dismissed by the university. A lot of yeah, times, right. you know, it hasn't even been something that's, you know, necessarily involved. I mean, but in even that, I'll, I'll, I'll so. even give more of a pass to the district because, like, maybe just like a kid's got, like, you know, every school's got kids who have a character issue here or whatever, mm-hmm. or whatever the situation is. But, like, not these numbers. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, so it, it definitely yeah. raises alarms. And at some point, it raises alarms to the point where you have to start wondering whether or not this. At some point, it has to hurt recruiting because right. Well, that's my next you know, question: is like, it, what's yeah. what's what's your line in the sand? My line in the sand is, at some point, like it, we can't keep looking forward to next year and saying like this is a bridge year. Like already, fans yeah. are saying like this is a bridge year, but this is fifth <laughs> season. If they finish ninth or lower this season, mm-hmm. then then how how hot is the seat? I think the seat gets hot if they're not good after next season because people are already looking at like he's already got the pass better this year next year. He's got a pass. I mean, but gotcha. see, then again, like why should he? Yeah, that's the thing. Like it's your fifth season. If guys yeah. keep leaving again, these are guys that you're bringing in. The yeah. fans wanted to work so much because they love Pat, but at some point you can't just keep saying we'll be all right next year if we're able to keep. You know, if Dante Harris comes back, if, you know, Aminu Muhammad comes back, if Jordan Riley comes like all these guys coming back. because Also not like, a given in the transfer market. Right, that's the thing. Like, you've, yeah. always, you've already kind of gone in, into seasons already, like, damn, like, one of these kids isn't going to be here next year. Yeah, right. Yeah. Not so much like they're going to the NBA just because, like, you've seen, like. Yeah, they just might not be around. They might just be around because we, yeah. we apparently just lose – Two of our top players. They'll go to, they'll go to Maryland. Also, also, exactly. It's some bullshit every year. So, right. Right. Um, yeah, I'd be a lot higher on them if they have to have, obviously. Um, the team, I think, uh, that struck me as being pretty out of place for me personally is Seton Hall. I'm pretty high on Seton Hall this year. I know they lost. I, I see that. Yeah. I, I know they lost Mamu, but I mean, I, I think bringing in Kadari Richmond, a guy who I – Liked at Syracuse so much last year that I partied every time I saw a Syracuse box score where he played like 15 minutes for some reason. Uh, he would have been their best player last year. <laughs> He'd have been better than Buddy. <laughs> like I, mm-hmm. I, I'm a big believer in Richmond. Uh, and like Kel- Kevin Willard's another one of these guys who like 
you know, his team finishes top 50, like every year, like, like there's a very clear floor. And so if you give him a guy like Richmond and, and if you believe that they're going to have like a top, I mean, what top 10 defense is that, is that too aggressive? If I say that no, top, that's not so, no, no. top, top 15, I mean, uh, I mm-hmm. know Kempom has it projected a lot lower than that, but like, I, I think especially bringing Richmond in and just like, uh, in terms of a program, like what the, how they tend to play, I think he fits really well. Uh, I like some of the pieces that got coming back. Um, again, losing Mamu is huge, but like I, I definitely like them more than St. John's. I know St. John's has like the top two players that are really good, but like I also just sort of wonder beyond that who's contributing a lot. Um, I think there's an argument to be made for Seton Hall above Xavier because Travis Steele is another one of these guys who like this year is the year for him. If he doesn't get it done this year, he's probably out. Um, And honestly, even though this would be really aggressive, if you told me Seton Hall finished ahead of UConn, I wouldn't be blown away. I wouldn't be blown away by it. No, if just because I I I think UConn should be better than them, but if that's how it ended up, yeah, I can see that. Like, because uh, I think people bring up the Sandro loss for Seton Hall, but like the book night loss for UConn, that, mm-hmm. that offense last year sucked it did. <laughs> other than it really book did. night. So like who on that team this year makes baskets like RJ Cole. Okay. Not the, like, not a guy that necessarily I have been like super in love with from a, like, do I think he can handle a a giant workload and him be like the Shabazz Napier type, the Kemba Walker. Like, can he be the guy? And and like maybe he can, right? But like I also don't think he necessarily like I think some other players on that team have to figure it out if they're gonna be a top 25 team or 25 caliber. And I think that Seton Hall is at least in in their neck of the woods. I put them on the same tier. I'll put it that way. Okay. Um Speaking of your guy, Muhammad, uh, obviously the Big East preseason freshman of the year, Big East preseason player of the year was Gillespie, all Big East first team, uh, Watson from Providence, uh, Champagny, St. John's, Roden, St. Seton Hall, Scruggs from Xavier, Fremantle, Xavier, Big East second team, RJ Cole, UConn, Tyrese Martin, UConn, Posh Alexander, St. John's, and then Morin Samuels from Villanova. I am definitely surprised by some of those selections. <laughs> I don't know how you uh, feel about some of these. Well, I'm, I've never been the biggest Nate Watson fan. Um, Jared Roden. Eh. I, I'm surprised RJ Cole's not first team. I'll start there. Yeah. Because he's just on, on sheer volume alone, right? He's going to take so many shots. Furthermore, Villanova is going to be, I think we agree, easily the best team. Like, I think there's a very clear world in which two of the players make first team. Right. Yeah, like I would have Jermaine Samuels. Yeah, yeah or Jermaine Samuels. Samuels would be yeah. first team. Yeah. I got to think that that's a, and I mean, again, if we're talking about just sheer volume, Posh Alexander is going to be yeah. doing a lot of stuff too. I think having two guys from Xavier on the Big East first team you've got to believe that Xavier is like a top 25 to 30 team. And I, I don't think I do. Scruggs, I'll accept Scruggs. I'll accept Scruggs and Fremantle. Both. 
Yeah. That, over Cole, over Moore, over Samuels, over Alexander. That's tough, dude. Like, yeah, that's 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 the thing to me. Two players from Xavier in the Big East first team and only one from Villanova is is bananas to me. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the other one, the other thing that I guess is at least worth debating because I've seen people debate it, Gillespie as preseason player of the year versus Champagny of St. John's. Champagny should be the preseason player of the year. Do you, do you think that's because of just uh, the, the distribution of value within Villanova, right? That they've got Gillespie Samuels and more and Gillespie and Samuels might be a little like you know, one and two there, whereas Champagny's going to have to do so much if St. John's is going to be a top five team. Yeah, but I also think Champagne, yeah, just from what I've seen last year and what I just think about them as players. Yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, it always helps when you're the arguably the best player on the best team, but um, yeah. just from what I've seen last year. yeah. I mean, I, I, I get Gillespie being preseason player of the year because he was a co-player of the year last year. Yeah. Which I also thought was a little silly. <laughs> But he was a very important player, so I understood that. Um, And, yeah, Champagny's clearly, at least of the names listed, would you agree he's the best pro prospect of all of these guys? Yes. I don't think there's a doubt. I don't think there's a doubt in that either. Right? So, like, I think that that makes it a more interesting case. But, like, if you think St. John's is fourth or fifth and you think Villanova is first by a country mile – I at least get it with Gillespie. I'm I'm not as like huge a Gillespie guy as like other people mm-hmm. are, but like his importance to the team yeah, is yeah. is pretty indisputable. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, Big Ten. Let's go there. Um, Big Ten is uh, probably the best conference this year. Would you? What do you think about that? Uh, them and SEC. I think just from yeah. top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, SEC at the bottom. Yeah, hmm. yeah that's going to be tough. Um, I'm just thinking about this yeah. a lot of teams that going to finish between like 10 and like 30. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I think that Big Ten has more that will finish between 1 and 15 probably. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Big Ten preseason media poll had Michigan and Purdue basically firmly tied – at the top in terms of vote like points, but Michigan had one more first place uh, vote than Purdue did. So Michigan is above Purdue by one first place vote. So also that promises a very exciting season of the big 10 <laughs> needless mm-hmm. to say, uh, Illinois at three, Ohio state four, Maryland, five, Michigan state, six, Indiana, seven Rutgers, eight, and then everybody else. Uh, anybody on that list strike you as overrated and underrated? Uh, I think I've already said, I, you know, Purdue was underrated. Um, yeah, I'd put them nationally. One. Yeah. Um, it's been a fantastic journey watching Hunter Dickinson, by the way, become the most hated player in college basketball. Um, <laughs> hashtag we are the method. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is the program that Juwan I was built there. Um, it's, it's, hey man, it's, uh, it's kind of tough. Um, because, you see a former player doing it and um, at his yeah. alma mater. I and, know. Uh, it's working out a whole lot better for them than it is for me at the moment. But he, he um, won't be he won't be more hated this year than some of the Gonzaga guys. 
You think so? But see, th- th- I think the thing is with people, him, dude, people like people hate Timmy straight up. People yeah, hate Timmy after hate, last year. They do. But Hunter Dickinson, I think, really is a dick. <laughs> I so, think Drew like, Timmy might be a dick. Too. <laughs> yeah, I think. See, I think Drew Timmy's a dick, but like not in a in a necessarily bad way. It's like, look at this dick. But right. with Hunter Dickinson, it's like this dick. I think it's different. Is it because t- guys like Timmy and Holmgren will just be better than Dickinson this season? Yeah, but it, you know, Dickinson's not a bad player. Per no, se, he's really like, good. Yeah, it, it's just the it's the little extra stuff he does during games. He's real physical for sure. Yeah, yeah, and he, he sets some hard ass picks for sure. Yeah, and and I've seen it a lot. Like I saw it a lot in high school. Like you know, I, it's my mind. I would go to their games, and I was like, "Come on, man! Like that's not what we do, dog." Like, but. <laughs> But he used to do it, and you know, would would he be more hated than Brad Davison if Wisconsin was better? Because Brad Davison's back for like a fifth season this year. I think if Brad, question. I think if if Wisconsin was like a top five six team in the Big Ten, Brad Davison would be more hated than Hunter Dickinson. Okay, all right. I won't argue that, but yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Hunter Dickinson, real punchable face. I don't know, man. He does. That's true. Dude, but Brad Davison is in like the Hall of Fame of punchable yeah, face. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Also, maybe underrated on the punchable face and players that people are going to hate this year, Andre Curbelo. Oh, for sure. Oh, Curbel- yeah. Curbelo oh, is yeah. going to climb. The oh, yeah. Year, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Curbelo is going to sky up that list. Oh, dude. man. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's another good one. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's, now he's going to get like all the publicity for Illinois because uh, Desumu's not there anymore. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some interesting stuff there. Uh, the team that strikes me as being underrated is, uh, frankly, I think I'm higher on Indiana than most. Uh, I like the coaching change. Uh, even if I don't really know what Mike Woodson is as a college coach necessarily, I don't know that that, like, especially because they're clearly not having trouble with, like, recruiting and bringing in some obviously bodies. Not. And, yeah, and, yeah, obviously not. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Nick, because yeah. apparently some people thought they may have issues because NBA coaches don't know what it's like to recruit and it's a totally different grind and, you know, yeah, the jury's I mean, going to be and, out. And, like, it's, and yeah. it's a different grind in some ways, but, like, also if you're a guy like Mike Woodson who has coached Carmelo Anthony and has coached, like, a bunch of big names, like, all you got to do is open up your fucking phone and be like, look at the numbers I have or whatever. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's not mm-hmm. – like, it, it shouldn't be – And that like, you know the game. The fact yeah. that you and, got and, hired and to be a game. professional coach, you know the and game. And that he was a good coach coach in the nba the like thing. i right. think people forgot like because like the next thing didn't like end very well so like fair enough but like in atlanta Russ, Russ, people overestimate like just basketball minds yeah just just guys who just know the game so like yeah i know recruit it's not for everybody i know, I know it's a grind i get it but yeah. and there's the always doubts gonna be, that i saw people, about mike wilson yeah. made no sense yeah. like well, it's I guarantee I, I genuinely think. Well, first of all, there's obviously the race card there, right? Like, the, I mean, the, I didn't want to say it, but damn, the, a, like, a, 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 a black coach from the NBA coming into a school like Indiana, that is a that's a huge component that can't be ignored. But also, I do think that the way that the New York thing ended, where people thought he was like the king and was awesome, and then like two seasons later, they thought he sucked and wanted his mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. I think th- that made him seem like this coach that was 
fad to in people's minds. And people also dismissed, if I recall correctly, at Atlanta, didn't he have like a 60 win team in Atlanta? I yes. mean, like in Atlanta before Trey Young, <laughs> right? Like even Trey Young had net a 60 win team. So like I, the dude can so clearly coach and, and he brings in Trace Jackson Davis. He Now if, if they were losing him, then okay, fine. Right. It'd be a tough year. I get it. But you've got a guy who, I mean, we'll talk about our All-Americans later. There's a very clear argument for him to be a potential first-team All-American. He certainly has an argument as being a very clear candidate for Big Ten Player of the Year. And they've just, they've got bodies, man. I mean, like, they've got good people there. I And I don't, I don't know who's going to start at Garden Wing, but, like, it's one of those it's one of those rosters where they've got enough people there that like if one or two of them work out, then it's going to be fine. You know, they got like four or five guys there that I kind of like I, and like Michigan state, like, unless I think Max Christie is like a, a world beater, which mm-hmm. I don't think he is. I think he's going to be a fine sort of a uh, three and D catch and shoot NBA prospect guy long-term Maybe not. I mean, I get. I guess maybe a one and done, but like just because of the role he plays. But like, he's not going to be like doing a bunch of creating. That's not like at least what I've seen from Max Christie personally. Like, I, I don't think that he's like some super dynamic dude. So then, like, is Michigan State really better than Indiana? Like, no. I mean, I guess if you just like love Tom Izzo, then okay. But like, I, I think Michigan State could dip behind there. And frankly, I could make an argument for Indiana over Maryland. Because again, I just I, I don't know how much faith I have in in where Maryland can be. I like the top two, but like, is Maryland's best player better than Trace Jackson Davis at the end of the day in a close game? I don't think so, personally. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I know I know you're hearing a lot, so you're hearing more about the depth, and there, and, there, and Maryland maybe has an argument if, especially if some of the guys you're hearing about pop off. Maryland might have the argument for depth, but like, I, I don't think the gap between Indiana and Maryland should be 50 votes like it is in this poll. Mm, okay. Like Indiana's on the Rutgers tier in this poll. Mm. <laughs> like, come on now. You know what I mean? They should, they should be firmly in the Maryland tier above Michigan state. And again, I, I, I personally just have a lot of faith in, in Woodson and Trace Jackson Davis. I'd have them at number five, but that's just me. Okay. Um, and I also think for Maryland, you know, we, we talked about Wahab a little bit, Mer- like a big 10 in general has incredible big men, like enough big men to fill up multiple all American teams. Mm-hmm. So like Wahab is like, a, I know you said he's, he's just gonna be like an extra guy, you know, like the, that it's going to be run through the wings. And, and I do think that that's fair. But I do – I feel like a lot of people saw what he did, especially down the stretch of Georgetown, and assume he's going to be a bigger part of Maryland this year. When, like, if you compare him to Hunter Dickinson or Trevion Williams or Kofi Coburn or EJ Liddell or Trace Jackson Davis, like, are you, are you putting Wahab over any of those guys right today? Because I probably am not. Mm. Yeah. You know? Um so yeah, it's just it's a tough it's a tough conference. It's gonna be a real tough conference, and so I I I really give a lot of value to having a guy who's gonna be an all American type of dude. I I also think that the Penn State being tied with Northwestern is unfair. I think Penn State is better than Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. 
Like they, they bring in Shrewsbury to be the coach. He coached with Brad Stevens and Matt Painter. They returned three starters from a team that like, frankly did a lot better than people thought they would do once they lost Pat Chambers. And like, it's not like Pat Chambers is like a world beater, but like they, they exceeded expectation last season. And so Shrewsbury just on pedigree alone versus like what we know of Chris Collins today. I, I would take Penn state all day. I, I would entertain the possibility that Penn state should be maybe even above Nebraska. So we'll see. Um, I, I tend, we'll get to like a couple of these other teams later, but like sometimes if you just get a positive coaching change that, that does bump you up. I, I was not a big believer in Archie Miller. Never was. So like Mike Woodson is a huge upgrade in my mind. Uh, let's see. Uh, and then the big, uh, 10 player of the year was Kofi Coburn. Um, the preseason all conference team, Coburn, Liddell, Dickinson, Ivy, and Trace Jackson Davis. I ranted earlier. Trevion Williams is not on the first team. Um, the next five vote receivers, Trevion Williams, uh, Eric Ayala, Andre Corbello, Devonte Jones, uh, and then, uh, Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr. From Rutgers and Caleb Houston from Michigan all received a vote as well. Any anybody who's been omitted here that should belong? Uh, again, just thinking about it, you see, Caleb Houston was on there, of course. Um, and he was named uh, preseason freshman of the year. Freshman well. of the year, yeah, he should be. Um, I'm trying to look at some of these other names. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know who else would be like a, a stone cold must be on the list that was not yeah. on one of those lists. Like, I, I would have Williams over Ivy. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I'm sure they just didn't want five big men as their all conference team. Right. So, you know, they wanted one, one guard in there. Uh, I, yeah. I don't have any issue with that. Uh, nah. mm. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Big 12. Um, Kansas at number one, Texas two, Baylor three, Texas tech at four, and then Oklahoma state, West Virginia tied at five. Uh, anything stand out in the Big 12 here? Uh, as far as best team, I know you, you said you're high on Texas. We talked about them earlier. I think Kansas Texas, and Texas um, people look better. Um, I still really like Baylor. Um, I don't think you can overstate what it's like to lose, like a Jared Butler and a Davion Mitchell, but I really like who they have returning. And James Akinjo fits the mold to a T of, I think, what they want out of their point guard. Sure. So while he may not have been like the best leader for us, I think for a team like Baylor, like just the like the way he plays the game, I think he's going to fit in from day one. So um, it may not, you know, be apparent off the break, but I think by the end of the year, it wouldn't surprise me. He, like he started to team. figure it out at Arizona last year. Too. Yeah, yeah. You, you just get, you know, you get older, just maturing a little bit. And sure. um, I think the game has slowed down a lot for him, you know, it's getting guys a little bit more involved, but you've always seen the talent. And um, I was a little surprised that, you know, he's leaving Arizona. I thought that he had kind of found a home, but um, I saw he was going to Baylor. I was like, yeah, I can see that. So, yeah, um, if you get that chance. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm maybe a little lower on Baylor than you just because Davion Mitchell in particular – I think just the the elite level of that defense, the fact they had the best defense, mm. you know, so much of it started with him just being one of the truly special on-ball guard stoppers 
of the last like decade of college basketball. You 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 can go back further than that with me. Yeah, like, I'm just, I, I you know, agree. Just watching him last year, I was just like, man, like I, I can't Shit, watching him in the NBA preseason. Guys. Dude. <laughs> yeah, man, like he's a grown <laughs> damn man. Like, yeah. and and I I love any dude who like stakes a claim right and is like, this is my thing. You know what I mean? Like he is the defensive stopper guy, and he's not like one of those like. It's not like, and then maybe this, maybe this is a bit of a DC burn. He's not like Deshaun Stevenson or whatever. You know what I mean? Like Davion Mitchell's like a guy who like genuinely every time he was going against people was putting the clamps down. Like he clamped down Jalen Suggs, a guy who mm-hmm. people just couldn't do anything with all season. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that plays such a huge role. And I, and I also do like the fit with a Kinjo, but and it's not his fault. He's just not Davion Mitchell. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, Flagler replacing Butler. I do like Flagler. Is he a Butler level of the guy right away? Maybe, but like there, I think there's enough question marks there that I feel like they should be a little closer to Texas Tech in the votes. Like they're basically a, a hair behind Texas in the votes. And I would definitely be like Kansas and Texas are one and two. And then Baylor and Texas Tech are three and four. That's that's like mm-hmm. in some order. That's what I would do. Um, but I also can't really blame that necessarily with Texas Tech having the vote change, losing Chris Beard. Uh, but they do bring back a lot of guys, too. They bring bringing back Terrence Shannon in particular is going to be huge for them. Um, yeah, I'd have Texas and those ahead of Kansas. And again, just said my thing about Baylor, but I, I don't really have any discrepancy with anything else here. Uh, in the players of the year, Remy Martin was named player of the year. Marcus Carr was named newcomer of the year. And I thought that was interesting since Remy Martin is also a newcomer, mm-hmm. but whatever. Uh, freshman of the year, Kendall Brown at Baylor. Uh, he's certainly worth noting. Uh, all Bill, all Big 12 team, Matthew Mayer, uh, Agbaji from Kansas, Remy Martin, Kansas, McCormick from Kansas, Marcus Carr, Texas, Terrence Shannon, Texas Tech, and then honorable mention was uh, Akinjo, Avery Anderson, Oklahoma State, Musa Cisse, Oklahoma State, Mike Miles, TCU, Andrew Jones, Texas, Trey Mitchell, Texas, Taz Sherman, West Virginia. Any Anything missing there? Any of those guys on the honorable mention that should be on the Big 12 uh, first team? Again, I, I'm just listening like the as you'd like – really names off and again like nothing really stands out yeah um i think oklahoma state is going to be better than i think people think i mean of I course you lose a talent like kate cunningham like yeah at least a massive hole but uh they still return four starters they added some real talent so um i think they're one of the teams that i think is going to finish a little bit better than people think and I don't know if I'm really sold on Texas Tech. Like, I don't I don't see Texas Tech and Baylor being in the same grouping. If I had to rank them, I would put Baylor in a different category than Texas Tech. I think that's fair. I think that's justifiable. I would just put both of them ahead of Oklahoma State and West Virginia, personally. Uh, okay. Um, I, 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 do, I, I do have I, Baylor I think, ahead of Texas Tech. I just – I don't think I have Baylor – like, what was Baylor in that top 25? They were, they were number 10, maybe? Or number – they were number so. eight. They were number yeah. eight. They were ahead of Duke. That might be a little high right now going into the season. That's the that's the I just won the title bump. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I would have them more in like that. Yeah, like twelve ish range somewhere yeah, in there. I can see that. I can see that. But yeah, I would have them ahead of Texas Tech. I just think that um, you know, if if things, I, I could see a world in which Texas Tech finishes ahead of Baylor. I don't really see a world in which either of those teams wins the big 12 over both Kansas and Texas, if that makes sense. That makes sense. 
Yeah. Um, I like Texas Tech just mostly from just what you hear about uh, the program. I mean, certainly like the fact that all of the players were super happy that Mark Adams got the job that they didn't go after somebody else. They all sort of publicly advocated for him. Uh, mm. They sort of say that he was the guy that was sort of the, he constructed the Chris Beard defense in a lot of ways, at least what they say. Um, and if that's true, obviously that bodes very well. I think bringing back Terrence Shannon is great. I think bringing back Marcus Santos Silva, I really like, and is great. Uh, bringing in Kevin O'Banner from Oral Roberts in terms of just uh, adding some offensive punch, somebody you can kick out to that you can rely on making threes, uh, I think is going to be great. And certainly if Mark Adams is a defensive coach, the fact that O'Banner couldn't defend at all last year, you know, maybe, maybe that changes with Adams at the helm. They're going to sort of a, a defensive minded system. Yeah. I don't really have a problem with any of the team there. I do maybe have a problem with Remy Martin winning preseason player of the year. I think that that might be where I might draw the line. I mean, like, cause look at it this way. What's the, what is the difference between Remy Martin and like Marcus Carr? Not a whole lot. Like, yeah, they both played like Remy. Let me, let me put, pose this question. Who are the best players that Remy Martin played with? Like Josh Christopher, mm-hmm. Marcus Bagley. You know, you, you could name some, some NBA picks there. Mm-hmm. Who was the best player on Marcus Carr's team last year? I mean, you, you can't name him. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so not that that's all on Rim Martin. Like, it's not like it's up to him to like fix shit about other players or whatever. But like Marcus Carr, from what I saw of him last year, yeah, he missed a lot of shots because he had to take a lot of shots, but he had to take a lot of shots because nobody else could take shots. Like Arizona State, had people that could do things Mm -hmm. you know if you share a little bit more and marcus carr's assist rate and assist to turnover rates notably higher than remy martin's i'm not even saying that marcus carr should be big 10 or big 12 preseason player of the year i probably would have david mccormick just especially because there's not a lot of big men in the big 12 like in the big 10 Uh, and i think he's just gonna like rack up numbers like ridiculously yeah but like if Remy Martin is like the obvious preseason player of the year or whatever, if, if you want to pick a ball dominant dude, I'd probably go Marcus Carr. Honestly, I, I think he's probably a little better, at least at That's college. Fair. That's fair. Um, and again, I don't know that I'd pick, I think they'd cancel each other out and I'd go David McCormick at the end of the day. <laughs> um, Pac 12. Now this is the poll that gets a little nutty. <laughs> this is the one that stood out to me. Uh, number one's uh, UCLA by a landslide. Number two, Oregon. Number three, USC. Tied at fourth, Arizona and Oregon State. Uh, Colorado at six, Arizona State seven, Washington State eighth, Stanford ninth, Utah tenth, uh, and then Washington and California bringing up the rear. Anything on the old Pac-12 front that stands out to UKB? Underrated, Colorado. Um, they ran Georgetown off the floor in the tournament last season. It definitely left an impression. Um, sure, I I, yeah. I I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just like the way they play. Um, again, they look like one of those teams, like the, the culture. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, they're I, I consistent. They're consistent. Yeah. They're not right. like uh, like they're. Uh, I don't remember the last time, and I'm sure they're. <laughs> I, this would be so easy to look up. I don't know why I'm like speaking off the top of my head. The last time Tad Boyle had, uh, let's see what his results were. He had a five seed 
last year, obviously. Like he tends to be like in that, like when he makes the tournament in that like eight to 11 seed range, mm-hmm. you know, and then like when they miss the tournament, you know, again, they're like sort of like on the outside of the bubble. They tend to be like a bubble team or like right on the inside of the bubble. I don't, yeah, I, like I could see them as being an eight seed type of team again this year, which definitely means they should be higher in the poll. Yeah. The one that strikes me as completely objectively insane is Oregon State tied for fourth. <laughs> and let me let me ask you this, KB. I want before the Pac-12 tournament started last year. Where on Ken Palm do you think out of all of the teams in the nation, where was Oregon State ranked? I'm gonna say, and I had him as my second underrated team because he's six at eight top eight scores come back from a tournament team. But Ooh, I'm gonna say. I'm going to say six. No, I mean, in terms of where were they in the nation out of like 350 teams, where was Oregon uh, before the tournament started, before the Pac-12 tournament started? I'm going to say 17. 103rd before the Pac-12 tournament Jesus, started. I was way off. Bro, They were they were bad last year. And then they went on a run where they couldn't miss threes for like six games or whatever, which, hey, it was so much fun to watch. (laughs) Like I rooted so hard for Oregon State. It was so much fun to watch. But they were bad before the Pac-12 conference tournament. And they lose Ethan Thompson – I do know that they return basically everybody else, which I do think is fair. And I think maybe means they're not going to be the sort in, in the sort of place where they would have been. But like, yeah, when you look at like their, their ratings, I mean, they finished, I guess, tied for sixth uh, in terms of just conference record. Although there were a couple of teams that had to drop out of a lot of games because of COVID. It was a weird year. I, yeah, I, I am not a believer in them at all this year. Like preseason, like they're ninth in the Pac-12 on Ken Palm. They're tenth on Bartorvik. No, nah, they, they, they'll be they'll friends at three. Friends at three man weave have them at ninth. I, I'm I'm not saying that they're going to be ninth, but like I wouldn't have them ahead of Arizona. I wouldn't even have them tied with Arizona. I'd have Colorado ahead of them. I would I, have Colorado ahead of them. Yeah. I don't even believe much in usc but like i probably I still be, have usc i'll probably have them eh, i'll probably have them ahead of usc who are who are the best two players on oregon state you know what i mean yeah. like usc's got like they they've got like and i'm gonna make a point about usc in a minute too but like still got isaiah mobley i mean like boogie ellis you can you can say here and there about but like is probably i mean boogie ellis would probably be oregon state's best player you know like that's for you ethan anderson i like there's there's people there in terms of just sheer talent at the top of the pac-12 and again it's just hard for me to wrap my mind around a team that if they lose in overtime to ucla at the start of the pac-12 tournament they don't even make the NIT last year. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but, but now, but now they're fourth in the coaches poll. That, that to me is, is astonishing. 
I mean, I get it. It's the, it's the tournament or whatever. Um, I would also have Arizona ahead of USC. I mean, I, I like Arizona's coach more. I like Tommy Lloyd more than Andy Enfield sight unseen. Uh, you know, for USC, like Evan Mobley is not walking through that door. Yeah. Right. Onyeka Okongwu is not walking through that door this year. Like if they're, yeah. if your best players are Boogie Ellis and Isaiah Mobley. And again, I know I just made that case against Oregon state, but right. like make that case against Arizona, right. With Tubelis and Mathurin who are both like NBA draft prospects and the good coach. I, I mean, I, I very baffled that USC is that much higher than Arizona in this poll. Um, the other one that is interesting to me, I mean, I also think that I would potentially put Washington state a little bit higher because I like, I like their coach and they bring in Michael flowers, who is a lot of fun to watch at South Alabama. Um, I would entertain the idea that Oregon should be the preseason title favorite. I'd entertain it. I'm not saying it's my choice, but I do think it should be closer than like 32 of the 34 votes went to UCLA. I think it should be closer than that. It's funny. I have Oregon overrated. Yeah, but Oregon said, overrated. Yeah, but I said for now. For now, sure. Because they lost their core from last season. They had to add a lot, but there's talent all over the roster. Um, I've always liked Quincy Guerrier. I just like to see what it looks like first. But if they end up winning the conference, it should surprise no one. I just, again, this yeah. is one of those, I, I'm just, I'm just taking a wait and see approach. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like Will Richardson. They bring back Eric Williams. They bring back mm-hmm. Dante from the ACL injury. Uh, Devion Harmon from Oklahoma uh, yep. is awesome. Uh, Jacob Young from Rutgers, I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Nate Biddle, five-star big man. I, I, I haven't seen much other than like clips online, but like Dana Altman with a five-star big man. I like it. You know what I mean? Like I just look, Oregon has won the PAC 12 for the last six seasons, including last year. <laughs> so like, I know they lose uh, Duarte, they lose Amarui, uh, they lose Figueroa, but like, I, I just, I, it's hard to bet against Altman at this point. Mm, so yeah. like, I, I think that should be closer to coin flip. And I, and when I go to Vegas before the uh, season starts, I'm definitely going to see if I can find like what the line would be for Oregon to win the Pac-12. I'm going to put down on that because I think that's good. Uh, the preseason first team for UCLA is 10 people, which I think is dumb. So I'm not even going to justify it. <laughs> um, uh, Johnny Juzang is the preseason player of the year. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. It's popular. It is a lot popular. Of people are saying it. I don't know about it. Yeah. Uh, like he's not on my first team All American team. Like we'll get to that. He's you know it seems I like agree. he's on everybody's, but he's not on mine. So I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I think Jaime Jaquez is just a better player, just like all around. Johnny Juzang's a better like shot maker. You know what I mean? But like mm-hmm. Jaquez let's put it this way. If Johnny Juzang got hurt for that team, I think they still are pretty good. I think they're still probably top 25 good. I think if Jaime Jaquez goes down, they might encounter some problems. 
Because then, like, who's their wing defender? It's not Ju Zhang, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they do have Miles Johnson this year. I mean, that's a huge addition that can't be overstated. Obviously, the Peyton Watson addition is big, but like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know where to go with Pac-12 Player of the Year. Part of me really kind of thinks that since Ju Zhang and Tiger Campbell and Hawkes are all on the first team. Maybe Will Richardson, if I seriously think that Oregon could win the Pac-12, maybe Will Richardson needs to be my selection. Or like Mathurin, if I think that Arizona is going to, you know, sort of overachieve expectations. It's just really hard when there's three guys that are going to get a lot of first-team love to pick one of them to win, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Unless you're saying just balls out, which I guess is a possibility. It's a possibility. Uh, SEC is the last one I want to talk about real quick. Uh, number one, Kentucky. Two, Alabama. Three, Arkansas. Four, Tennessee. Five, Auburn. Six, LSU. But that was before the Adam Miller injury. Uh, then Florida, Mississippi, Ole Miss, Missouri after that. And then sort of the dregs of the conference. Anything stand out to you here? Uh, let me see. Uh, SEC. Uh, like I said earlier, strong this season, top to bottom, good to solid teams everywhere. Uh, if I had to say top team, I'm going with Auburn. Uh, real nice mix of returning players and newcomers. I don't think Walker Kessler is going to help them immensely, and I'm looking forward to watching Jabari Smith. Uh, if I say overrated, there's not a lot of teams that really stand out. Maybe LSU. Um, well, I, just I, I, it, there's it, no way without Adam Miller. There's there's no way, that, and even that was a bit of projection. But there's like he he'd be they'd be behind Florida and Mississippi State without him yeah. for sure. Um, and underrated, say Vandy. I mean, they've been really bad in conference, and they have nowhere to go but up. But right. um, they got Scotty Pippen Jr. So um, right, you got a star player to you know, kind of focus your, you know, your team around. So it just wouldn't surprise me if they finished like 500 in league play. I think that would be a big jump for the program, but I can see that. that uh, 500 would surprise me. Um, I think finishing ahead of 13th would not. Um, I think getting up into that like 10, 11 range is definitely very doable. I think once you start pushing middle of the conference, that would definitely surprise me. I mean, like if that happens, then like Stackhouse is probably coach of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mizzou is overrated here. Like that, that roster is bad. <laughs> I am not excited about, and and I've got a couple of again, a couple of my three man weave buddies are Mizzou guys, and they are beside themselves about the program right now. Yeah, uh, it's in it's in real bad shape. They're not like Georgia bad, but like I think they should be in the bottom three easily, not at number ten. Um. I think underrated. I know I mentioned it earlier. Tennessee, uh, I think, is underrated. Like, I, I think it's easy to point to the tournament stuff with Rick Barnes, which is fair, right? Like, I don't know that I would pick Tennessee to be a Final Four team or anything because of Rick Barnes. But Rick Barnes, in terms of regular season coaches, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Gets good results. Gets a lot done. You know, and again, they've got that combo, right? They got returning guys. They got Josiah Jordan James. They got Bailey. They got Fulkerson for what seems like his billionth season. They got Justin Powell coming in from Auburn to be a shooter, which like they desperately needed shooting last year. And oh yeah, they got Kennedy Chandler, <laughs> who will also help with the shooting and with everything else. Um, I would have them ahead of Arkansas. I can't I can't get ahead of Alabama 
because I'm really high on Alabama too. But I do think I would have them ahead of Arkansas. I'm pretty, I'm pretty high on Tennessee. Arkansas has got the thing where once again, didn't they make like the elite eight last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, again, they sort of strike me as a team that's like sort of top 25 ish. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like a top 15 Arkansas guy. Um, I do like Devonte Davis. I, I mean, if, if they have to rely on Chris likes for anything, I'm, I'm out, <laughs> I'm out. And that defense is going to be bad straight up bad whenever Chris likes is on the floor. Like people, because like I, I get into this with Miami fans sometimes too, because they're like, Oh, he got hurt. And it's like, no, dude, it's not that he got hurt. He's five, seven and weighs 150 pounds. He doesn't weigh 150. He weighs more than that. But nah, like nah. I could bench press Chris likes, you know, yeah. he's a tiny dude, you know, like, and you just can't play like high major basketball. Well, what you can do is do the thing where you make a bunch of shots because you're like sort of a very quick jitterbug on the court on the court, and you can catch a team like UNC off guard or maybe a team like Duke off guard. I don't remember if Chris likes beat Duke. Maybe <laughs> there have been tiny guards from Miami that beat Duke in the past. Maybe he's one of them. But like I just I think it's not a coincidence that Miami, when relying a lot on Chris likes with a high usage rate, got bad. And. Maybe they don't have to rely on him much because they like, you know, Eric Musselman plays some dudes, but also Eric Musselman tends to be the sort of dude who just likes to like, pl- like give the ball to like his three or four guys and say like, you're my guys go. And if Chris likes is one of those guys, that's an issue. I also think that starting Tony from Pittsburgh, who I did like at Pittsburgh, um, but Pittsburgh was bad, <laughs> was really bad. Mm-hmm. And like, in a conference with Fulkerson and with Noah Gurley and with Oscar Shebway and like all the bigs that Kentucky has. And, uh, you know, some of these power forwards and centers that you see on some of these teams, Colin Castleton, um, like, am I trusting Tony? Uh, I don't know. Are they starting the other, uh, like, like wh- where, where does the good stuff come from? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. last year they had a lot of good stuff from guys that are gone. They had Moses Moody gone. They had Justin Smith gone. Jalen Tate gone. You know what I mean? Like they, they got some people who are gone. So like, again, I, I think Musselman is good enough at this point and he's got the program going and, and, uh, you know, I like uh, Devontae Davis enough and like some of that and some of that stuff to be like a fringe-ish top 25 team, 25, 30. I just think the Tennessee, I'd, I'd have them over them and not think twice about it, really. Um, And then the top, uh, the preseason team, first team, Jaden Shackelford and Javon Quinterly from Alabama, Colin Castleton from Florida, uh, Severe Wheeler from Kentucky, uh, Iverson Molinar, Mississippi State, Scotty Pippen, Vandy. Any surprises on that first team? That sounds about right. Yeah, I definitely think having Severe Wheeler as the Kentucky representative is not how I would go. Okay. I I think you could make the argument for Kellen Grady because he's going to take a lot of shots because he's a really good shooter. He's probably there. Is he shooter. is he conference newcomer here? Um, I don't see that. Although they do freshmen, you would have to, you would have to think so. You would have to think so. 
I mean, but then again, if they put Severe Wheeler first team and yeah, Grady yeah, second yeah. team, then I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, although I guess now that's interesting because Wheeler is not a newcomer to the conference. Right. Just a newcomer. To, now that's in, I hadn't thought about that. That's interesting. Um, then yes, I agree. Um, but I, I, I think there's an argument for Grady there. I think there's an argument for Keon Brooks there, you know, having the guy who like is, is the captain, right? Like whoever the captain of the team is, the leading scorer of the team is, is going to be the guy from Kentucky. That's invariably there. I just don't know that that's Wheeler. Um, I also feel like Jabari Smith belongs. I'm glad you brought him up standpoint. Yeah. But I also don't know necessarily who the obvious replacement is. I mean, maybe Molinar, but Molinar is going to put up a lot of stats for Mississippi State. Maybe Colin Castleton. Uh, I'd probably put him above Castleton. Yeah, I could see that. Um, although I don't know what Colin Castleton got last year. Um, but yeah, uh, those were the things that stood out to me. And then SEC Player of the Year preseason, Scotty Pippen Jr. That surprised me a little bit. Got the ultimate green light. He does have the green light. How many times in a major conference does the 13th out of 14 in the preseason poll also get preseason player of the year? Because I think they think they're going to be better this year. But then why wouldn't they put them better than 13 at their preseason poll? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> Right? You know? Yeah. That's that's my main question. If they had them at like nine or ten, I would I'd be like, yes, I completely understand. But they clearly mm-hmm. think Vanderbilt will be bad, but Scottie Pippen Jr. will be player of the year. It's like mm-hmm. when uh it reminds me of like when was it Eric Green at Virginia Tech that won player of yeah. the year? Yeah. And they were real yeah. bad, but he scored like 25 points a game or something. Like, yeah. okay. Maybe then maybe that's the argument, right? And I certainly think there's a really good chance that he leads the NCAA in scoring. But like I do think they have to be a top eight or nine team in the SEC to win. And I think that's tough. I I also think it's hard to pick a, a Kentucky guy for pretty obvious reasons, just because there's like so many bodies and it's hard to like choose which one. I think if one guy on Kentucky becomes like an obvious leading scorer, then then I would clearly pick him. I just have no clue who that is. I kind of am inclined to pick Javon Quinterly. Mm. If just because I think there's a good chance that this is the year we certainly saw it last year where he lives up to that high school ranking, maybe even has an all American type season. I think the best bet would be like, if you could take in Vegas, the best Kentucky guy, then I would, then that would be my pick. I just don't know today who that would be. And so if gun to head, you made me pick a name. I think if Alabama finishes second and it's really close to Kentucky, then it's probably because Quinterly showed out. And I kind of think that that's where I would go. Do you have, are you, you're good with Pippen? I'm fine. Fine with Pippen. Brilliant. All right, let's wrap it up. All Americans. Who are your uh, all Americans? Let's, let's, let's get a first team from you. If you've got, okay. Drew Timmy, of course. Yes. Pillow bunch here. Yep. It's obvious what kind of player he is. Yep. Chet Holmgren, the best player on the best team. Ooh. He two Gonzaga guys on the first team. Okay, okay. Jay Navi, because I really like him as a player. Okay. In drum roll, Buddy Bayon. Oh, first team All-American? First team All-American. 
He really, I'm going to tell you why. Oh, okay. Just for the simple fact, he Your really. Your Georgetown card is revoked. Your Georgetown he card really, is revoked. I'm going to tell you why. It's just <laughs> a pure numbers thing. He really comes off the floor. He can shoot, and he has the ultimate green light. He's just going to have the numbers at the end of the year. This is this is this is genuinely shocking. I'm shocked right now, KB. <laughs> I'm shocked when I when I wrote it down. I but I looked at it like like this is the thing. Like I, I would be perfectly honest with you. I've always kind of liked this game, and the fact that his he's a Bayheim has always bothered me. But sure. when I look at him play, I'm like, if he just plays like as many minutes as he played last season. At the end, especially at the end of the year, and he's like when I say ultimate green, like he can take any shot he wants. He kind of had that last year already. He did, but see, that's the thing about it. It really started to drop for him in the postseason when he put up 25 a game. I think he can do 23, 24 a game. If he does that, he'll be a first team All American. I I frankly did not even consider him for my first, second, or third team. I uh, There's just too many guys coming back. Like, I agree with you 100%. I, I, like, but so, you know what? I, I think just the numbers are going to look that way. Yeah. Gonna, so Tim, Timmy, Timmy and Bancaro, uh, we agree there. I, I think that's a given. I've got uh, Kofi Coburn. Uh, I mean, talk about numbers. And I think he was a second-team All-American last year. I think it's pretty likely he ends up back here. Um. I would have Trace Jackson Davis. I'm a big believer, um, but I could replace him with like some other Big Ten big. I mean, my second team is filled with Big Ten bigs as well. And then like, I, I really don't like this pick, admittedly. I mean, I, I do feel like Colin Gillespie is probably a pretty safe pick for this or the second team. Mm-hmm. Just because the narrative is just going to be through the roof. You know, especially because like he got hurt, he comes back. If they're like a top five, top seven team, and plus they're just going to want to guard there. I mean, like, and I, 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 I think that any other guard is going to come with like a little more risk in terms of who I'm picking for this list. And so I was like, I need a guard. I guess I'll just like grit down and pick Gillespie. But yeah, I mean, I, I just. I think that Bayheim, in order to make first team All American, would have to score twenty eight points a game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he would thing. have to score twenty. I don't think he needs to score that that much. I, I think he's going to have number? enough. What's the number? <laughs> I, I honestly think that he's going to put up twenty three five. So let's say round up twenty four game. He 20, does twenty four a game would probably lead all high major players and maybe all players like max Acemus, i don't think scored 24 a game last year he didn't yeah so you're talking about buddy bam essentially leading the ncaa in scoring yes that's what it's going to take okay. and he's going to have enough like big games he might go for 40 in like a couple games i'm, I'm dead serious who is are we going to send a copy of this podcast to ron no get- they don't need to hear this shit no <laughs> Are we going to get some cues people on this? Do, do you have a second or third team? I know I just asked for first team, I think. But no, I, I, just did, I just did a first team. Like, I, I really gotcha. wanted to focus on, on five. Yeah. 
My my second team, uh, I got EJ Liddell, Hunter Dickinson, Trevion Williams. I basically just put all three of the other guys who are big 10 guys because, again, they're just, they're just going to put up huge numbers for top 10 teams. I put Jaime Jaquez there. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I, I think they'll put somebody there, and I, I do just think he's sort of poised for a breakout. And then I put Marcus Carr. Again, just a big believer in what he's going to bring to the table for a team that I'm very high on. Uh, and then I did a third team. I did Quinterly. I did uh, Jalen Duran from Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put David McCormick from Kansas uh, again, just because you got to pick for the best guys. Um, man, the last two are really hard. Yeah, I, I think you're right that Holmgren is going to be on there somewhere on one of these teams. My my last three guys that I had here were Holmgren, Kendrick Davis for SMU. Even if I don't like actually end up putting him on a team, I think he's fantastic and i think he belongs on a team somewhere i think he's really great um and then i put pick a kentucky guy i put like insert Mm. kentucky guy here because i find it very unlikely that there will not be a kentucky guy on one of these three teams i just don't know who it is i'll say this one thing about homeron like if gonzaga is as good as we think they're going to be he's going to be insanely productive for them so that means like he's going to rebound a lot. He's going to block more shots than people expect. He's going to have a lot of big scoring games. Like I, I yeah. don't see how when it's all said and done, and you know he's going to be the top pick. Like I just don't know how he isn't a first team All American. I don't see how them get where we I think don't... they're going to get, and like that doesn't translate to him being first team All American. I think there's a world in which because they've got so many options that. Really, the most of what they need him to do, I, I think he's going to rack up the rebounds and the blocks. I completely agree there. And steals for a big man. I think there's, I think there's just a world in which they don't ask him to like do too much other than uh, like, 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 like 13, 14 points a game with 11 rebounds and three blocks and two, st- I mean, which is still an all American <sighs> resume. But like Drew Timmy's going to be scoring 20, 22 points a game. Nemhart is going to be scoring 14. I mean, I mean, I think Drew Timmy's going to score. What did Drew Timmy score last year? I should look this up, huh? I think it was around 20. Yeah, I I I I think they're going to keep cuz he is just unstoppable. You know, when he's down low especially against the majority of the competition that he's going to face. Yeah, Timmy scored 19. He did 19 and 7 last year. I think that I think that Holmgren if if I was Mark Few, and I'm not, otherwise I wouldn't be doing a podcast. I'd be off making millions somewhere. <laughs> if I was Mark Few, I would ha- I would play Timmy the exact same way. I'd keep feeding him, and I would let Holmgren be like the agent of chaos guy, right? Like, you know, doing like you know cuts on the weak side, um, you know, just like looking to like be a, a rim protector, just try to swat everything like diving around, uh, you know, running out to the perimeter. Cause like Drew Timmy can't guard the perimeter. We saw that last year, <laughs> but Chet Holmgren probably can, even if he's not like necessarily the greatest, the length alone is going to d- mm-hmm. be disruptive and he can hold his own there. And, and they're going to throw him outside every once in a while to just pop some threes to kick into Timmy. Right. Like I, I think that if you were adding up points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks, I, I think that points will belong to Timmy all day. But maybe if you add all five of those things together, that then Holmgren 
wins that battle, if that makes sense. I, I don't think he's not on the list. I but like I just think he's so talented offensively. I mean, Jalen Suggs only scored fourteen last year. Yeah, and but he's way better than him. That's true, but also Jalen Suggs had the ball in his hands literally every possession. And, but I think that's what they're gonna do with home run. You think they're gonna put the ball in his hands? Even more like than Timmy? It, yeah, like even like he was bringing like he. He can bring the ball up like You're he's right. good on the pole. Like there's nothing he really the transition. Can't do. The transition he's going to crush people in transition because of the ridiculous mis- mismatches. He's going to crush them there. I, I completely agree. I'm not. I'm not arguing that he's not good. Nor am I arguing that he does not belong on all American teams. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I guess if, if, if you think that Gonzaga goes undefeated this year, which, again, is not impossible, it was certainly pretty close last year, um, then, yeah, Holmgren is probably also a pretty good pick for first team. Uh, I just think he's yeah. too good for, for the numbers not to be there at the end of the year. And I'm yeah. talking about across the board. He's just he's just on a team with so many people who are going to get theirs also. Yeah, but they're not him. See, I, that's I, get, it, I get it. I he's get it. I get different. it. I get it. He's different, and I, I think you got to treat different players different. I I so, I don't yeah. disagree. I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, like I I just tend to believe that they're going to uh, that they're going to share more and they're going to feed Timmy more than you think they're going to. Okay. Um, which is why I which is which then makes sense why I have him slightly lower on my all American tier. I mean, I I would have him as national player of the year preseason. Um again, I just think the chances of him doing twenty one and eight on like shooting like seventy percent from the field mm. is 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 very, very likely. Uh, do you have a priest? I'm assuming your priest and player of the year would be Chet Holmgren. Yes. Yeah. Makes sense. I, I, I don't, I, it's not like I, I would recoil at that. I think that, I think that Timmy is arguable. I think that Holmgren is arguable. I think that if you think that Duke is a title contender, I think Bancaro is certainly arguable. Um, Maybe if you think, I mean, I think it just depends on which team you think is the title winner. And then if you think Gonzaga is the title winner, which of those guys you like. Um, and then your final four, do you have a, uh, a final four that you'd like to share? Um, I'm still kind of working that out. Um, I've got three of four that I like and I, and I, and I struggle on my fourth. So I'm open to hearing arguments for a fourth. I like Gonzaga. I like Texas. I like Purdue. Those are the I agree three. with two of those. I you like Gonzaga and Purdue. Yes. Yeah, I like Texas. I think they've got the guard play. I think they've got the post play. I think they run nine players deep. I think they've got a top 10 to 15 coach in the NCAA who is due, I think. Um, And then if Marcus Carr, as a floor general, is what I think he's going to be, then, yeah, then I I don't really have. I put a lot of money already on Texas futures uh, because I got great value. I also put a lot of money on Purdue futures. But in terms of the fourth, I mean, I could be talked into a bunch of people. I mean, I could I could be talked into Michigan. I could be talked into Michigan. Although Michigan, I, you want to talk about people like losing important pieces? I, yeah. 
I think losing Livers and uh, Wagner, Franz Wagner. Is it Wagner or Wagner? I guess it's Wagner. Wagner. Yeah. Um, I hadn't said it out loud until just now, I realized. I mean, like, that's – there's some wing defensive and, – and that's not, like, all they lost, right? They're, they're turning over a lot of stuff. Devontae Jones is interesting, but, like, I also don't think that necessarily you can bank on, like, doing the Mike Smith thing every time. Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't think anyone expected Mike Smith to be as good as he was. So I think exhibiting a degree of skepticism on a transfer like that is probably fair. Uh, and then I think you're just – I think from there you're asking Caleb Houston to do a lot of lifting outside of Dickinson. Yeah. And that – But I think uh, they're capable, definitely capable. I, uh, capable, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. I, I would definitely feel very, very good about them uh, as an Elite Eight team, in which case, you know, the Final Four is just one bounce of the ball away. Um. I think I could be, I'm not going to, even though I would love to say Duke, I'm just going to leave Duke on the side for the purposes of shelving my own bias. I I think it's easy to talk yourself into it. I think if AJ Griffin is healthy, I think that that is a huge part of it. If AJ Griffin is healthy, then that's an incredibly formidable unit. Um, And I think it's one of the best. It's the second best front court uh, in college basketball. Um. I, beyond that, I mean, even then, maybe Williams and Edie for Purdue is really good, too. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I could be talked into them. I could be talked into Kentucky. Obviously, again, a, a bajillion pieces there. Like, if Ty Ty Washington is, you know, everything that he seems like he can be in terms of just, like, tying everything together. I, I, I think if they're relying on Severe Wheeler to be the, the straw that stirs the drink – then I'm a little less high on them than if Ty Ty Washington is like ready day one. If Ty Ty Washington's ready, then I feel pretty good about him. Um, I also really like Alabama. I, I already, I know I already brought that up. Um, Alabama is just a team that I think much like some of these others, I'm just going to kind of really like them every single year. They've got a great coach. who's <laughs> an asshole, but a great coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously they bring back uh, two very uh, high usage, heavy duty players in Shackelford and Quinterly. Uh, they bring in JD Davison. Uh, they bring in uh, Noah Gurley from Furman, who I loved. There was a rumor at one point that Duke might get him, and again, he wasn't needed, but like he would have been one of my top transfers on the market. Um, Keon Ellis, uh, Juwan Gary, certainly in spots last season showed that he could play really well. Uh, Betty Ako is coming in. Obviously, he can be an asset. I mean, like that that right away. I mean, what, I just named seven players? I mean, they're, they're just going to run a lot, and they've got a lot of that combination of transfer, returning talent, and freshmen that I, I tend to really value, plus great coach. I mean, like that's, that's a four for four for me. I may have just talked myself into picking them. <laughs> Just for the ball, although Kentucky has the exact same thing. And really, like, Duke doesn't have as much the high-value transfer, but, I mean, I also think that people are underrating the value of Theo John in a Duke uniform. I don't think you can. Like, that, like, that dude, yeah, he's going to help. Yeah. He's a, he's a pain in my – like, he's one of those dudes, like, when you, you play against him, like, this dude's a pain in the ass. Like, yeah. Yep. 
and and he's gonna and all he's got to do is play 18 minutes a game. Is it? Yeah. Um, so I think he's got a lot of value. Uh, I'm not as high on Kansas in the tournament. Just you know, maybe maybe that's just a yeah, oh, you know who I could pick? I could pick Houston again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just throw him in there. Why not? Not um, a bad pick. Yeah. Yeah. Any 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 others that uh that we have not named here that would be in your uh, contention for Final Four there? Uh, Final Four. That's the thing. Like, this is a lot of teams I look at. Um that I could be talked into. That's the yeah. thing about it. Like I, I'm really looking forward to this season and we talked about it you know, just off the top. There's just a lot of teams that yeah. when you look at them, like it wouldn't surprise you one bit if they're, you know, that they at the end of the, at the end of the season, I like that call on Tennessee. I'm really interested to see what North Carolina is going to do this year. Um, just how they're going to look offensively. We didn't really talk about them yeah. a lot, but um, this, he listened to what Hubert Davis has been saying during the off season about his approach offensively. I, you know, I know North Carolina fans have been, you know, wanting it for a long time, but just to see what it's going to look like, I'm looking forward to it. So um, I'm I'm interested more than anything else defensively. What's going to happen this year? Um, because Dawson Garcia is really awesome offensively, and defensively, at least at Marquette, he was not. Brady Manick, I would kind of say the same thing to some extent. I mean, I, I guess mm. he's like, he's like a heady guy, but like, you know, like if which of those guys is guarding Paolo Bancaro? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and then I, the rumor is that they're going to try a, a switching system, and they'll have Baycott not playing drop coverage and just like staying down in the post, but that they'll be switching players up at the top. And if they're doing that, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I do not think they should do that. I think that's a bad idea. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine they'll do that all season. Baycott is going to be a top two big man in the conference fairly easily. And why you wouldn't just park his ass at the rim on offense and defense is beyond me. A guy, a guy I know who's a UNC fan said he expects multiple three-point attempts from Baycott this year. I was like, please let that happen. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. I know, but as as a Duke fan, I want him taking you, threes. You want to see it, <laughs> right. I, right? I do not. I do not want him getting the ball one step from the rim. I want him trying to show scouts his jump shot. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I I think I replied to the guy. I said, "Look, in this in the blue white scrimmage for Duke, Mark Williams shot a three. It went right in. It looked real good. And I don't want Mark Williams taking any threes this season." Mm-hmm. Maybe if we're winning by 30 and he's just feeling it, great. Go for right. it, dude. But right. if you're taking any three that matters, fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Get to the rim and do your thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what to think about UNC just because Caleb Love is such a huge swing. I mean, like, you know, if, if he lives up to the potential, then they're a top 25 team. If he, you know, like... And that's the thing, like to, to become an all ACC caliber player, like he needs to make a huge leap to become a player that is like middle of the ACC good compared to last year. He had the worst offensive efficiency in the ACC. So like, I, I don't know what that means. You know, like <laughs> the pedigree suggests that he should be an all conference type of player in year two. 
but is his jump going to be that grand? Mm-hmm. And like, was he was his pedigree coming in that much better than like Jeremy Roach's? And like, I don't have any expectation at all of Jeremy Roach being an all conference player. So is it just because he's like a UNC guy who's clearly going to have to do a lot? Or is yeah. it because, like, you know, like I, I just don't really know what to think there. Um, so they've got like a, a real, they got a, obviously a very high ceiling. And I think their floor is lower than people think. What do you think of Kerwin Walton as a basketball player? I like him as a catch and shoot guy. Mm-hmm. I think he is a very, and, and UNC needs those. So I think in terms of being a catch and shoot guy, um, I like him well enough. Um, what do does I he scream? Does, does he scream NBA to you? No. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, I mean, like maybe like, okay, I guess I shouldn't be so dismissive. <laughs> right. But like, what is that was a very dismissive. No, no, <laughs> it was, wasn't it? I like, he's a good shooter. He's a really good shooter. And I think for a college team, he's got a lot of value at six, five. And I mean, he's young, right? So like a lot of things can happen. I don't see it in terms of handles. I don't see it in terms of passing. His defense is like, okay, it's not NBA good right now. Um, I agree with you 100%. I just had a couple of their fans tell me that, yeah, he's like, you know, like, like don't, what don't I see? But, I okay. <laughs> now, this, now, all right, I'm going to make a UNC fan mad by saying that. I don't know the UNC fans can be talking anything about expectations wow, on you on okay. NBA, NBA right. guys right now. I didn't, you know what I, I mean? didn't see it. I didn't see it. I got. I. I mean, I know you saw all the shit that. that I mean, yeah. yeah. Was I yeah. wrong? It was all like I'm another, was, was like I another wrong? book of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. All I'm saying was I wrong? Did I say anything? I'm. I'm. I'm out of it. I'm out of it. <laughs> I am 100 out of it. It I was love... fun to watch, but I'm out of it. <laughs> you know, it's it's factual. <laughs> That no high school player, no high person mm-hmm. in high school, nor has any player or person in college today, alive mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. seen an NBA All-Star in a UNC uniform, mm-hmm. except in archival footage. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's, <laughs> that's all. I get it. I'm not mad about um, it. But then again, C.A. Huggins was, it was a very funny tweet. Oh, it was great. I loved it. it was I great. told him so, I loved it. I messaged yeah. him. I was like, you, you did it. And. I think he knew he wasn't going to get anything from me about Kentucky. That's why he tagged all the UNC people. Because yeah. if all he tagged was me and Ba, n- right. then there's no real back and forth about it. Right. So he tagged right. all the UNC people because he knew if a UNC sure. person said something, right. you can't let – you can't, like – you can't yeah. not say the joke. You can't, right. like, not fire back. Right. You know? And then everyone's just like, you mad. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Is that – is that royal, Yeah. It was a royal – You mad number. is a good yeah. rebuttal if you're Cameron on Bill O'Reilly. Other than that, sure. you mad is not a – is not an especially <laughs> effective comeback. <laughs> We're too again, old was, at this point, you know? Yes. Yes. It was – again, it was just very, very entertaining. I, I, I like Baycott as like a second-round guy. I think he, yeah, I think he, he yeah. could be like a rim running, rim protecting big in the NBA. Mm-hmm, I think he could do mm-hmm. that. Sure. Um, I, I don't know anything about Caleb Love right now. I think Dawson Garcia is actually kind of interesting, but like he's got to yeah. play, he's got to play defense though. Right. Right. Um, so he's got a ways to go, but, um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see. If 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 Caleb, it all comes down to Caleb Love really. And so again, I think that that's why. 
he made second team and why UNC is like top 15 or whatever they were in the AP poll. I think a lot of that just has to do with thinking that Caleb love is going to be one of the 40 to 50 best players in NCAA basketball this year. And like, I think that's a, a projection. I like Daron sharp last year. I'll tell you that. And I do yeah. like Kessler. If they'd kept Kessler, maybe I, I might've, I might've been a little more scared if they kept Kessler. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm mad Duke didn't get Kessler back in the day. If you've got a guy that looks that much like Grayson Allen, whose name is Walker Kessler, Walker Kessler, you should be a Duke player. If you're a big, if you're a big white guy, whose first name, white name Walker Kessler, if yes. your first name is also a last name, I think, <laughs> sure. I think that's, I think that's a Bob joke. I think Bob yeah. told that joke where if you have a first name that is also a last name, you belong at Duke. Mm-hmm. Nolan Smith, mm-hmm. Christian Leitner. <laughs> All, sure. th- all three Plumleys, Mason Plumley, Miles Plumley, yep. Marshall Plumley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the list, I, I could think of so many. But Grant Hill, technically. Yeah. yeah. Shane Battier. There's, yeah. Just, there's a lot, right? But if you got a first name for a uh, last name for a first name, you should be a Duke, especially if you look like Grayson Allen and you got a punchable face. Yeah, That's absolutely. all I'm saying. Um, anyway, uh, KB, this has been a blast. I don't even know if people are listening anymore. I don't care. I'm just having fun shooting the you shit. You got me thinking now like Christian Ass, Crawford Palmer. I can go Dude, back. So you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I guarantee you go back down that list. There's so many. So yeah. many. Um yeah, we'll see. I'm excited for uh I'm excited for the future there. Um and we got uh and I love that John Shire's first recruit was a big white guy named Flip Filipowski. That's hey, the, that's the best. And he can, I mean, he can on, ball. Man. I like him. But also getting a big white guy named Flip Filipowski as your first sure. guy is pretty funny. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. That's hilarious. Um, KB, uh, this this has been a treat, man. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I really do hope that we can uh, figure it out. I, I know we're both crazy busy, but uh, I would, I'm actually I would love surprised I'm still this. up. So, yeah, <laughs> I, hey, man, I, I surprised myself. Good time. Yeah, I'm normally in the bed. Um, yeah, we get a little bit of time difference, you know, being on the East for Coast sure. and the West oh, Coast. Oh, for sure. Get, getting up at the – I mean, I, I get up every morning. It's still dark outside, so again, sure. this is way past my bedtime. So, <laughs> um, yeah, man, this this is great to talk about college. I mean, the fact that we're talking about it means, you know, the season is right around the corner. So, for sure. you know, it, that that's my favorite time of the year. And just, you know, now there's going to be fans back in the – in the arena. So we're going to have that college yep. basketball energy back. So, and again, like things are just kind of, I mean, again, Gonzaga is clearly the number one team, but after that, man, it's just going to be a lot of teams battling and I, you know, I'm For just sure. looking forward to it, man. Yeah. I'm going to be at the Duke Gonzaga game in Vegas Thanksgiving. Oh, nice. Nice. I got, nice. Uh, I right when the tickets went on sale, I bought like 10th row, 10 rows back from the floor, Ooh. $90 each. And then Not Coach bad. K, then Coach K announced he's retiring. Guess how much the resale price is last I checked? 600 1800 Wow. Yeah, dude. <laughs> the, the, this, 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 ticket is, this ticket's going to pay for my whole trip, man. It's going to be great. It is. I know. Is. I love it. I'm going to be sitting by a stranger <laughs> who's, gonna, well, who's not going to realize, you know, that the yeah. – uh, the the benefactor is right next to him. It's going to be great. Absolutely. Nice. Um, nothing like uh, going to a strip club at Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> I, I would I would not eat the turkey. At a there's a there, yeah. there's a yeah there's a breast and thigh joke there somewhere. There's yeah, a stuffing absolutely. joke to be made yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, KB, where can the good folks find you, man? Um, you find me on Twitter at KBeds. That's K B D D S. 
Um, you can listen to the Five Starter Podcast. It usually comes out on Thursday mornings um, on the East Coast. Um, so you can also follow uh, TKO. You can follow Bar at High Five Starter on Twitter. And um, yeah, man, just again, just glad to be back talking college hoops, man. I can't tell you how many times, uh, you know, I listen to a few podcasts and like so many of them are just like 30, 45 minutes. But like I listen to podcasts when I'm like in traffic or going on a long walk or something. So like I, I run through podcasts, dude. And so I appreciate the five star podcast. It's like a good long podcast. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like I'm not yeah. going to it, it ensures every week there is a zero percent chance that I run out of content. You know, yeah. like, and, and plus on top of that, it's just, you know, frequently fucking hilarious. So, um, yeah. so yeah. Uh, and I'm excited to hear you guys, uh, talking, uh, NBA as well and, and getting into it on some of that. Um, cause the it's NBA just good season, to have this stuff. It's just yeah. good to have something to talk about again, for man. sure. Like, yeah. And, and NBA season has already given us just an, an so embarrassment of riches oh, in terms Lord. of shit to talk oh, about, man. Oh man. Even, oh, even man. just in the Robert Sarver story is going to drop. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I saw Today. it. Um, and you know it's yeah. bad when a team like puts out a press release so the story even comes out. You're like, oh, that's always the be. best. Ooh, always- <laughs> yeah. So that's I don't always, know the story's yeah. dropped yet, but the things that you're hearing about it already, that's not gonna be good. Yeah. Whenever, whenever, like you know, whenever some corporation or is like, first of all, let us just say we do not condone <laughs> racism or sexism. Oh boy. Oh, oh no. Oh boy. boy. Oh man, <laughs> this is this is gonna be a doozy. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, we we tweeted back and forth about it the other day, but I like the rubber lip stuff from John Gordon oh, and, and all oh, of that man. is oh, man. is just like oh man the the <laughs> the ways that people try to get out of it, dude. It's it it oh, never boy. fails. The creativity Mm-mm-mm. never ends. It's- <laughs> I mean, just the fact that you think that we're that damn dumb that we're going to oh, sure. I mean, of course, everyone's heard. I mean, you know, you know, you know, lives. 40 to 45 percent of people were like, <laughs> you see, there was a perfectly reasonable explanation. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think oh, my cousin man. says that, too. You know, it's, it's yeah. Fine. Yeah. Um, who hasn't heard that expression? Right. Who hasn't heard man. that that uh, that tale is old as time. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. There's nothing funnier than bad explanations for bad behavior. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, it never gets better. <laughs> we're going to enter the golden age of it too. Now, like it's just, it's getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, <laughs> the Ben Simmons stuff led me to talking about uh, Constance Wu from fresh off the boat with some friends mm-hmm. uh, the other day mm-hmm. and remembering her, tweeting her anger at the show being renewed and then having the press release where she said, I wasn't angry about the show uh, getting renewed. And if you don't believe me, then you don't believe women. And now more than ever, it's important to believe women. I was like, dude, (laughs) you have fucked up so hard. Oh man. Like, and she thought it was good in the same way that this Ben Simmons thing is not going to work out for him. It's not going to work out. No, you know, you can't be the like, well, mental illness is a very serious issue right now. (laughs) Like, dude, (laughs) there's got to be people on your team that that just say, are we sure we want to do that? Yeah. 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 
but yeah, the golden age of excuse making we're absolutely we're, we're in. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, and it's I'm just so, so excited hard not to, see to what's next. Yeah, it's just so hard not to get caught. Like, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. you, you're gonna if if you're doing it, you're gonna get caught, right? You so then get caught. Yeah. You just have to say like, like let's let's say genuinely thirty to thirty five percent of people were like Gruden. Okay, fine, I'm gonna give him a pass regardless of what his shitty excuses. If he had just said, you know. I realize now that I've been using language that was coded racist and like, mm-hmm. I didn't think it at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I feel terrible about it. I hope to make amends and I apologize to everybody. Uh, I'm going to be a better man. Uh, and hopefully I can win your trust back. Like that would go well for like 70% of people, mm-hmm. like a much, much higher number, but they never want to do that. Do they? <laughs> They never That's just the want to say, man, I guess I just fucked up, huh? They yep. never want to say it. It's amazing. Just just admit it. It's it's so many people out there, especially today when everything is so terrible in the world. There are a lot of people who want to give you the pass. Now, a lot of people will not give you the pass under any any under any situation, under any circumstance, and you probably don't deserve a pass, but a lot of people do want to find good apologies. <laughs> That's true. They want the good apologies, and the good apologies so rarely come. It's incredible. Um, Well, I'm not going to apologize for the length of this podcast. Uh, I am Russell H. Film on Twitter. Been tweeting about the French Dispatch and Dune, uh, a phenomenal one-two punch at the movies, if ever there was one this year. Strongly recommend those. Um, I am on Instagram. Also, uh, I've got a website, the Beer Travel Guide, uh, and we're on Instagram as well. I've recently, KB, gotten into TikToking. Really? Yeah, because I'm writing so much, so I don't want to write for the blog right now. So I just sort of like, you know, uh, closed down the uh, the blog a little bit, the Beer Travel Guide blog. But like my wife and I decided we wanted to sort of keep the uh, the brand alive, so to speak. And so we we're like, why don't we just like, there's not that many beer TikTok people. Let's give it a try. Let's see if we enjoy it. And I'll be goddamned if it's not super fun. Nice. It's, right. it's been a lot of fun. So, yeah. Um, so on the 0% chance that any of the old people listening to this <laughs> have a TikTok, go follow the beer travel guide and say nice. hello there. That's the, and you can see the incredibly silly things that my wife and I have been putting out there. Um, and then obviously this podcast uh, seconds, the number two madness on Twitter uh, I've definitely been doing a lot of NBA tweeting as the uh, season gets started. Cause again, it, in addition to the funny stories, the games have also been really, really good so far. Uh, and there's a lot of really good teams out there. Um, I'm, I'm just having a grand time. Uh, do you have a, do you have a preseason favorite for the NBA KB? Uh, that's another one. I'm not quite sure yet. Yeah. I, uh, I put money down on Milwaukee because the odds were good because they, I think they were third behind Brooklyn and the Lakers. And so I just yeah. like the chances of Milwaukee yeah. figuring that out. They're a lot deeper than they were last year too. Um, and Giannis just clearly has just like a giant chip on his shoulder forever, you know? So I, I love that about him. Um and yeah, Brooklyn and LA just kind of got a little bit of question mark action going on. I, um, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And then I like Giannis's uh, MVP potentially as well. KD or Giannis. Um, nope. And my I, another one I put money on at very long odds, just a little tiny bit 
but I couldn't help myself. Paul George. Because, hmm. like, if the Clippers are good, then, like, let's if the Clippers are, like, a top four seed, three seed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then it's because Paul George is scoring, like, 27 points a game. Yeah, that would have to happen, yeah. And I think I think that supporting cast is better than people give it credit for. I think I think people just sort of thought that like once Kawhi left that like they were just going to go away completely. Yeah. And I don't know. There's still some nah. interesting pieces there. Yeah, yeah, they do have. Yeah, you start thinking about you know, some of the guys that got left. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, hmm. we'll see. And I and I bet I bet on Atlanta win, winning the over. I think the over was like forty eight games. 46 games, 48 games. I forget what it was. Okay. I've got it written down somewhere. Right. I bet on Atlanta going over, and then the under I took was Cleveland, and I'm feeling great about the Cleveland one already. What was this? 27, dude. Hmm. 27. Mm, nah, nah. 27 is is uh, is generous. Yeah. And I tell you what, I sh- uh, I I was gonna put some on Houston also, and I just like didn't get around to it. I should have put. The house on Houston too. I think their I think their under was like 22, 24. And I I think that <laughs> I think I think they're gonna get 20 games in, realize let's throw in the Taolo for Paolo. Yeah. Or let's uh what's the chat one? What's a good chat one that we can come up with? <laughs> okay. Uh yeah. I, I, well, I'll come up with a good one. I'll tweet it. Okay. Um, but yeah, they uh, yeah, but they did nothing, uh, nothing for Duran. No, fuck that one sucks. I'm gonna come up with some better ones. Um, but yeah, Houston's terrible. They're good and terrible. Yeah. So yeah, um, Jalen Green's a hell of a player though. He is. He is. Which is why they're gonna get rid of everybody over the age of 25 on that team <laughs> and just start over. They'll put it around yeah. him. They'll put it around mm-hmm. like uh, KJ Martin. They'll put it around, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the young guys, and that's the right thing to do. But yeah, yeah. What's Eric Gordon doing there? I don't know. Right. Um. But yeah, I think that's all the shoutouts. Uh, you got some bonus NBA talk at the end if you're still listening to this. Uh, KB, just so great talking to you, dude. <laughs> Absolutely, bro. Yeah, man. Now go get some sleep. You've earned it. Uh, I'm gonna go have a beer and uh, enjoy my Friday night. Thank you to everybody for listening. Much appreciated. Please tell your friends. We're back, baby. This is Ben. 2.1 seconds to madness. Good night. <laughs> you know my stage. Let them know. Do your thing, dog. <laughs>